Welcome everyone to the Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022 Lawrence City Commission meeting. Uh, this is a special meeting, uh, so some things may be a little different for some, but we will go ahead and let Porter or Neil give us our uh, basic explanation. Thank you, Mayor. Good evening, everybody. I just have a few housekeeping items for the Zoom meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting unless you are speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating in the meeting, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And now I'll turn the meeting back to Mayor Shipley. Thank you, Porter. Uh, now we'll have some explanation of how public comment works from Sherry. Thank you, Mayor. When the mayor calls for public comment, individuals attending in person should approach the podium to indicate they wish to speak. The podium can be raised and lowered, and we encourage you to use this feature to ensure your comments are heard. Individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. Please leave your virtual hand raised until you are called on. Individuals will be called on in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. Please state your name before speaking and all comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Our next item is to approve the agenda. City Commission reserves the right to amend, supplement, or reorder the agenda during the meeting. Uh, do I have any motions? Move to approve the agenda. Second. I have a first and second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. That passes five to zero. Next is our consent agenda. All matters listed on the consent agenda are considered under one motion and will be approved by one motion. There will be no separate discussion on these items. If discussion is desired, that item will be removed from the consent agenda and will be considered separately. Members of the public wishing to speak to an item that has been pulled off the consent agenda will be limited to three minutes for comments. Are there any items commissioners would like to remove from consent? None. Are there any items the members of the public uh, here physically in the room would like to remove from consent? Not seeing any. Are there any items that uh, persons online would like to remove from the consent agenda? No, Mayor. Not seeing any. Uh, therefore, I'll bring it back to the commission. Do I have any motions? Move to approve the consent agenda as presented. Second. I have a first and second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. That passes five to zero. That brings us to our regular agenda items. Item number one, conduct a public hearing to consider exceeding the revenue neutral rate for the 2023 budget and consider adopting resolution 7445 to levy a property tax rate exceeding the revenue neutral rate for the 2023 budget. Good evening, Jeremy Wellmuth, Director of Finance for the city. Uh, I've got a, a few slides here I'd like to walk through um, and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have. Just to recap um, where we've been with the budget process to date, uh, on May 17th, the 
city manager came forward with uh, some policy guidance uh, request and a presentation on our priority based budgeting initiative. On June 21st, we brought forth some uh, recommended uh, perspectives on the capital improvement plan uh, and got feedback on those and then came back on July 12th to present the city manager's recommended budget and the recommended uh, capital improvement plan based on those uh, discussions from June 21st. Then uh, the following week, July 19th, is when the city commission actually established the maximum expenditure for the 2023 budget and authorized publication of the notice of the hearing that we are currently, uh, or that we're going to have later tonight. So what we will be doing tonight, uh, the very first thing on the agenda is the revenue neutral rate hearing. Uh, following that hearing, then will be a consideration of the revenue of the resolution to exceed the revenue neutral rate. Um, after that discussion has occurred, then we'll start the public uh, hearing for the overall budget. And so uh, we're giving our total presentation tonight before the revenue neutral rate hearing. Uh, we won't have any further comments before the public hearing on the budget. Uh, of course, we'll be happy to answer any questions uh, that you have. And then um, our next step is based on the uh, discussion or after the discussion tonight, um, should there be any changes to what is presented, uh, those changes will be presented along with the resolution uh, on September 6th. And that gives us a, a few weeks if we need it um, to discuss the resolution before its final adoption uh, has to be submitted with the uh, county clerk on October 1st. <clears throat> Just a reminder that uh, while the budget discusses the utility rates, we're not actually approving or changing any utility rates with the budget. Uh, that will occur later on this year, uh, as well as bond authorization resolutions uh, for the bond projects that are listed uh, in the CIP. So um, after the uh, last budget presentation, uh, there was a considerable discussion surrounding the uh, recommendation to close the Prairie Park Nature Center and to reduce funding in the police budget for contracted animal services. Uh, and so um, we heard that, we heard the, the discussion you all had as well and uh, are revising that recommendation. Uh, we first presented that in the memo that was attached uh, to the city manager's report last week, but I uh, wanted to put it in this presentation as well that uh, the revised recommended uh, budget from the city manager now fully funds the Prairie Park Nature Center and uh, changes the reduction in animal control services from 100,000 to 35,000. So uh, the re restoring those two items, we then had to look elsewhere in the general fund um, for reductions. And uh, in some in discussion with the police department, we found some uh, equipment and some um, overtime that they had uh, identified in the general fund uh, that we believe really does um, serve itself to the type of grants that we're seeing coming out of Washington right now. And so in an effort to uh, help balance the general fund budget, the police department agreed to uh, transfer those expenditures from the general fund to the grant fund with the understanding that um, we'll need to go, you know, seek out those grants, apply for those grants and get awarded those grants uh, before those expenditures could occur. Um, so the the total, uh, if you will, of all of that is 170,000. 
um, this is where it gets a little complicated. So um, I'm going to try to walk through this, but the fund balance policy requires that 90 days of operating expenses be set aside in our reserve. And since we're now increasing our operating expenses, uh, we also need to increase that reserve. So the increase to that reserve, it's not an expense, it's an increase on reserve is 61,000. So the difference between the added cost and the um, the dollars that we were able to move to the grant fund and the uh, increased support for the um, for the fund balance policy is a total of 328,000. And that is what is now showing in the general fund budget as uh, coming from our ARPA grant. <laughs> in addition to that, we had some changes that don't impact the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the gap that we're discussing tonight. Um, we were notified by the county that they are going to uh, fund the expansion of the mobile integrated health program that the fire medical department requested of them. So we're increasing our revenue from the county by 302,000 and then increasing expenditures to the fire and medical department for this program, 302,000. So it's, it's uh, net neutral to the city in terms of expenditure uh, or revenue growth uh, for the general fund. And then other adjustments that were made that don't impact the gap either. Um, we have more information on future slides, but uh, there was some uh, refinement to the primary pay plan. It's still within that original allotment that we had discussed. Uh, we also added a uh, full-time budget analyst to the transit department that's being uh, partially funded by the transportation sales tax and partially funded by federal grants. And then after the um, discussion the City Commission had about the utility rates on August 9th, we made some adjustments to the uh, water and wastewater fund, uh, which you'll see in a few slides here. So for these next set of slides, we thought it was important to show the original recommended budget and any changes that we made from that original recommended budget are now highlighted in red and uh, what is in the revised recommended budget is now in green. So if it's not red or green, it's still the same as it was in our original presentation. So the total budget increased. Um, we had originally had a budget of 410.4 million, almost five, uh, 410.5 million. It is now 413.6. Um, some of that's in the general fund that we just discussed. Some of that is the water, uh, water rates and um, some of that is the capital improvement plan um, for the water projects as well. Same with the expenditure side, it was 436.8 million, it's now 439.6 million. But the mill levy stays the same as it was in the uh, city manager's recommended budget. Um, just another note that um, should the city decide to increase its mill levy the 0.077, we would in effect see a $99,000 increase in revenue that we could potentially use to lower the reliance on the American Rescue Plan dollars. And then you'll see the, uh, the primary pay plan is discussed here. It's a 2.25% uh, scale adjustment. Uh, meaning that's essentially like a cost of living adjustment. The, the whole scale is going up 2.25% for all employees. 
Uh, all employees in the primary pay plan will move one step higher on the pay plan with the exception of employees that have been in their position for 10 years or more, and they're currently below step five, they'll receive two steps. And then not a lot changed on this slide. Again, we just thought it was important for people to see um, based on the prioritization of the strategic plan, uh, the city is, uh, is uh, prioritizing funding for housing security. And there's $6 million total in the 2023 budget with 1.6 million in the general fund, uh, another 1.6 million in the uh, housing sales tax fund, and then 2.7 million in grant funds. Uh, the change to the capital improvement plan, our commitment to infrastructure, are those uh, water projects that you had discussed uh, on August 9th. Again, this slide did not change, but we just think it's important to continue to point out that the, uh, pre the predominant share of property taxes borne by the residential uh, sector. And so again, in alignment with our strategic plan, we uh, we've programmed an additional $143,000 for economic development uh, projects to hope uh, to help bring in a larger consumer uh, commercial industrial base uh, to hopefully in the future lower that burden on the residential taxpayer and help share that amongst the other uh, classifications. And nothing on this slide changed discussion of the property tax rate at 33.29 mills. Um, our sales tax is uh, projected to be just under a 5% increase over the current year revised budget. And all of our funds are meeting the projected fund balance required requirements for the policy that you all adopted. And so the American Rescue Plan Act, uh, this one did change. You can see that the original city manager's recommended budget uh, projected needing $878,000 to balance the general fund gap um, with the increase in expenditure <laughs> for the Prairie Park Nature Center and the other revisions discussed previously, that uh, gap is now 1.2 million. Uh, so that is the amount that the general fund is uh, using in um, revenue recovery dollars, which then lowers the amount of uh, dollars available for projects from 9.1 to 8.8 .8 million. Again, just a um, slide we thought was important, uh, especially for those who may be joining us for the first time tonight for our public hearing. Um, when the city started the 2022, uh, or when we presented the 2022 budget, we had projected based on revenue trends at the time um, that we, we would need $21 million between 2022 and 2023 of federal support to bridge that revenue gap. Um, with an eye that we would obviously have to start making some really significant changes to our general fund uh, by 2024 to get back to balance. Uh, between the revenue enhancements uh, that we've discussed previously and some expenditure reductions that we had discussed previously, that gap is now 1.2 million in 2023. So that 1.2 million is uh, what we're recommending from the uh, ARPA funds, the federal revenue recovery funds. 
So we wanted to spend just a little bit more time um, going over the analysis of those fourth quartile programs. I know there was some concern in the public and we had some questions from uh, the commission, um, you know, about what our thought processes and uh, methodologies were. And so uh, in an effort to not, you know, drone on too long, I won't go through all of the uh, various facets of PVB, but I will invite uh, anyone who's interested to uh, go back to those presentations that are attached uh, to this document uh, if, if they're so interested. Um, as all the programs were scored, they're then just split into four quartiles. So uh, the programs that we looked at first when we started to um, discuss how we were going to bridge that funding gap between the revenues and expenditures for the general fund were those that fell in the fourth quartile. I do think it's important to note that just because something's in the fourth quartile does not mean that it's not important. It simply means that its alignment as scored is less aligned with our strategic plan initiatives than the other programs that it was scored against. Um, so there will always be fourth quarter, uh, fourth quartile programs. Even if everything scored in the 90s and the 80s, those, the bottom four, uh, the bottom fourth will always be in that fourth quartile. So uh, this isn't necessarily the city uh, staff making any kind of a statement as to the value of these programs. It's simply when all these uh, programs were um, scored independently, um, the ones that were in the, the lowest quartile, the fourth quartile, were the ones that uh, indicate a, the lowest alignment with our strategic plan. Um, now that means that we may need to look at that scoring matrix and perhaps um, we're not uh, providing the weight that uh, the city commission or the, or the public would like on some of uh, the items within that scoring matrix, but that's simply where it came from. The, the scoring rubric was designed based on all of the tenants um, in the strategic plan, the, uh, the outcomes, the commitments, and the, the things that the, the community, that we heard the community tell us was important to them. That's what we put into the, um, the scoring matrix. And so if you have a program and it's ticking all the boxes in various uh, outcome areas, it's necessarily going to score higher than a program that may be very fundamental to one area, but not uh, consequential to another, if that makes sense. Just went over that, sorry. So these are the programs that are in the fourth quartile. Um, we have the municipal court security, the school crossing guards, the police professional standards, office of the police chief, the golf course, the Prairie Park Nature Center, municipal services and operations technology and assets program, the police investigations unit, and then the cemetery and the levy management program. And so as, uh, as we started to go through these, um, again, just because something's in the fourth quartile doesn't necessarily mean that we can't do it, you know, so if there's a, a state mandate or if there's a law that we uh, have to provide this service, that of course would then uh, move them up on the list in terms of uh, where we start looking for uh, program reduction. And so municipal court security, while it does score low, is essential to the operations of the municipal court, which does score very high. Um, there is some discussion internally about whether those two should be coupled together, you know, or continue to be separated. But uh, based on the uh, public safety aspect of the municipal court security, it was deemed that we should not reduce that program. 
The same can be said for the school crossing guards. Um, there were some changes made to that program, I believe last year, possibly the year before that. Um, and we believe that some, you know, a, a better data driven analysis may be necessary um, to make sure we're targeting those dollars to the to the places that need it the most. Um, but the to just eliminate that school crossing guard program, we felt would um, be a step back toward our public safety goals. So the police professional standards, uh, there were some um, areas of their budget that were reduced uh, by the department through the budget process before it uh, became, you know, before the city managers recommended budget. And so when we got to that next phase, we really felt like any further uh, reductions to the police professional standards unit would compromise their ability to actually perform the services for which they're called to do. So um, we, we don't want to give the impression that, you know, what's in the city manager's recommended budget was the like the very first thing that, that the budget started. There was a whole analysis process where departments made a request and we, you know, worked with those departments um, and all of all of those changes are also taken into account as we try to, you know, bridge that final gap. Um, so there were reductions made to the police professional standards unit um, during the budget process. So a few more, the Office of the Police Chief. Um, this is a program admittedly that probably won't be there next year. I think we're going to find a better way to, to break out the police to um, to provide uh, probably a little bit more clarity to the public, but the largest expenditures in the office of the police chief are the jail and the dispatch fees that are paid back to the county. Uh, the daily rate was uh, changed by the county to reflect their cost of running the jail. Um, and so um, increases to both the dispatch and the jail uh, were not seen as something that we could not do um, as those are costs that we have agreed to pay uh, to the county to provide those services on our behalf. And then um, finally, the police investigations. Um, as with most of the programs in the, the city's general fund, these are very, um, very heavily skewed towards salaries. Um, so any reduction to police investigation would, would have meant reduction in staff uh, they're just, you know, there's not a lot of dollars in there for operating expenses, et cetera. Um, and so what we felt, even though uh, the police investigation unit scored low in alignment with our strategic plan, the average uh, calls per day were going up. And these aren't just, um, you know, run of the mill calls. These are very serious uh, calls where uh, their professional uh, expertise is needed. Um, and so based on the increased demand for that service, um, we felt that a reduction in this area would, again, um, be detrimental to our public service or our public safety strategic uh, plan goals that we have set. So the next ones we looked at were uh, the, in Parks and Rec with the Eagle Bend Golf Course and then the cemeteries and the levy uh, management. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were concerned that we chose the Prairie Park Nature, Nature Center over the golf course. Um, and and the, the primary reason was that the, the golf course 
is really close to breaking even now. Um, I don't know that it's going to break even uh, with the revenue enhancements that will be considered uh, with the 2023 budget. Um, but it's one of the programs in the Parks Department that's really, really close to full revenue uh, recovery. And so uh, when we looked at you know, those fourth quartile programs, the Prairie Park Nature Center um, was uh, close to an 85% um, subsidy and the golf course was closer to 15, I believe. Um, and so based on that reasoning, we felt that um, recommending closure of, of the golf course uh, would actually uh, injure the city, if you will, from a revenue perspective uh, as well. substantial subsidy um, that's required to keep it operational. And then finally, the central levy maintenance uh, management, as I mentioned uh, previously, um, some things are in the fourth quartile because they have low alignment, but we're still legally and statutorily required to do it. And that's what this program is. And so um, reductions to the cemetery or levy management uh, were seen as um, negligible, like there, you know, there was no real good way in that program to make a meaningful reduction that would help bridge that gap. And so there, there were revenue or there were expenditure reductions in that program as well as others uh, in the earlier stages of our budget process. But uh, any kind of wholesale change to the uh, way that cemeteries are managed or uh, the management of the levy system that, you know, helps prevent the flooding of our town were seen as detrimental as well. And so those were uh, not areas that we looked at for reduction either. The next one is the Municipal Services and Operations Technology and Assets Program. Um, as we've been discussing for several years, um, the, the city has uh, sort of been behind in our ability to adequately assess uh, the street condition, the the infrastructure condition, uh, pipes, culverts, you know, uh, the the backbone, if you will, of our water system, our stormwater system, and our street and uh, connected city system. And so we saw a lowering of investment in this as really being detrimental to our ability to, uh, to our commitment to the lowest cost of ownership of infrastructure that we are uh, committed to and that our strategic plan speaks to uh, not only through our Connected Cities um, initiative, but also through our commitment to fiscal stewardship. Uh, so that is why there was no recommendation to slow down or to lower our commitment to asset management. Uh, we're already behind and any further reduction would just delay our ability uh, to become really, really good at asset management into the future. So that was our um, analysis of the fourth quartile programs. Uh, now back to the overall budget. Um, as we said, the overall budget is 413.6 million in revenue. Uh, you'll see that the, the primary increases from um, the original city manager's recommended budget are in the charges for services for the water department and the intergovernmental revenue for the county and the federal um, American recovery revenue recovery plan fund. And then on the expenditure side, um, the primary increase here is in personnel service for the staff um, in the 
water uh, or in the wastewater fund or wastewater department of the water wastewater fund, uh, as was discussed uh, with you all at the August 9th meeting, as well as some operating expenses, um, the uh, water and wastewater staff, as well as the fire medical um, mobile integrated uh, health unit. And then the last uh, change would be that allotment for CIP that went up in both the water fund and the revenue bond fund uh, for those projects that moved from unfunded to funded uh, after that discussion about rates. So here's a look at our total revenue. Um, we've updated these slides to include that new revenue I just mentioned. And our total expenditures, again, we've updated from our original uh, recommended budget to the revised recommended budget. Excuse me, now just looking at the general fund, uh, the increases you'll see here are to the uh, intergovernmental line um, for the um, funding by the county and the funding uh, needed in ARPA to balance the budget and then a small increase in charges for services uh, for the revenue recognition at the Prairie Park Nature Center. Uh, the increase in expenditures are predominantly in personnel services for fire EMS and um, the Prairie Park Nature Center, and then a few other changes to operating expenses and um, vehicles and equipment. Changes to other funds, uh, as we mentioned a few slides back, the um, transport, the transit um, program is adding a budget analyst. It's being funded through the transportation sales tax fund and the grant fund. Uh, so it does not impact the general fund. And then those utility changes that we mentioned uh, to the water and the wastewater fund. So we updated the personnel change summary. As you can see, we've added that budget analyst that I've talked about a few times to the transit division. Uh, we've added the three FTE to the fire medical department for the mobile integrated health program. And we added the seven uh, FTE to the MSO department for the um, water and wastewater programs that they discussed. As you can see, we've removed the positions that were uh, previously identified from the Prairie Park Nature Center. Uh, we also um, have become less specific, if you will, about the position in the general fund. Um, I believe Craig mentioned that during the, uh, the first budget presentation that uh, there are significant, not significant, there are some vacancies in the general fund and one of them will be not filled. Um, we have not yet identified what that position is, but uh, we are committed that it will not be that recreation program or uh, we won't create an inequity between the recreation facilities. So just a, a real quick highlight here, um, all of these projects on the last presentation were shown as unfunded. Uh, this slide is just showing that they're all moving to the funded status now uh, based on the discussion that you all had on August 9th. So our actions tonight, um, we're conducting the revenue neutral rate hearing as required by state law. Once that hearing is uh, concluded, then consideration of resolution 7445 would be in order. Um, once that resolution has been considered, then um, the public hearing for the 2023 budget would be in order. 
And then once that public hearing is concluded, uh, we would like feedback on any changes you would like to see from the materials that have been presented or the materials that are attached um, so that we can prepare that resolution for your consideration for September 6th. So real quick, and sorry, I feel like I'm droning on here, but I think it's important that we cover what exactly is the revenue neutral rate, you know, essentially why we're here tonight. Um, so the, the state established the uh, truth and taxation bill a few years ago. Uh, there were some modifications uh, last year, but the, the essence of that bill stayed the same. Um, the state has established a revenue neutral rate, which essentially is taking the current year assessed valuation divided by last year's revenue. So when you take our current year assessed valuation of 1.3 billion, divide it by the revenue uh, from last year, that revenue neutral rate would be 29.075 mills. Uh, the current mill rate for the city is actually 33.29 mills, which is what we're proposing for. <laughs> Uh, the 2023 budget as well. If the city commission were to choose not to exceed, or I'm sorry, if the city commission chooses to exceed the revenue neutral rate, then the, these following items must, uh, must occur. And that's what we're doing tonight. We're holding that public hearing. Um, once that hearing's over, a roll call vote will be required for the revenue neutral rate. So um, I believe Sherry will, you know, do that roll call procedure. Um, and then just a reminder that should the city choose not to exceed the revenue neutral rate, we would actually have to reduce the general fund budget by about $5.4 million uh, to get our property tax in line with the revenue neutral rate. So uh, as you can see, the, the, the property tax um, increase is one of the main drivers for why we're only about a million dollars out of balance or have a million dollar gap instead of that uh, $20 million gap that we had originally anticipated. Um, increases in sales taxes are also a, a, a significant uh, driver of that as well. But uh, should the city choose not to exceed that revenue neutral rate, we would have to find reductions in the general fund of uh, 5.4 million, or we'd have to find other revenue enhancements to, to fill that gap. And so a couple of policy questions we have for you. Um, assuming that you do vote to exceed the revenue neutral rate, um, the rate that was published in the uh, paper is actually a little bit higher than the one we're discussing right now. Um, and that's the difference between whether the city keeps its portion of the mill levy flat and allows the mill levy to increase 0 0.077 for the library portion, or as what's in the city manager's current recommended budget, do we lower our portion of the mill so that their increase is absorbed and it's a flat mill. I hope I explained that well. Um, and then, uh, as always, are there any other changes you'd like to see to the budget or the capital improvement plan uh, before we make our next presentation on September 6th? And I believe that's all I have. I'd be happy to answer any questions you all have. Um, Jeremy, I want to be clear. You're you're also kind of going to ask us about the CIP and the budget in the next item as well. So I just want to be sure the audience is clear what we're talking about right now at this exact moment. Okay. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> um, uh, any questions from commissioners for Jeremy on our first regular agenda item, the revenue neutral rate? 
So we want to hold questions on the actual budget till after we vote on the next That's the feeling I'm getting because he does have a different um, presentation uh, for the budget. Jeremy, is that report? A, it's not a different presentation per se, um, but yes, I do believe, excuse me, I do believe um, for purposes of this process, any questions you have about the revenue neutral rate, we should discuss and then open that public hearing and go through that process. And then when we start the budget process, we'll go through the entire budget if that uh, works for you all. Okay. Perfect. <clears throat> so again, is there any questions for Jeremy, uh, particularly at this time on the revenue neutral rate? Okay. Um, then we want to go ahead and open this to the public hearing, um, which is the same as public comment. Um, again, just to be clear, what we're going to kind of try to focus on right now is the revenue neutral rate. Um, there, I'm sure a lot of people here to speak about the uh, budget, particular budget items, for example, the Humane Society, you might want to hold those comments for our next item, which is related, uh, but but not particularly the vote we're about to take, the revenue neutral rate. Um, so with that, again, I open the public hearing. My name is Michael. <clears throat> I know you guys are probably going to vote and do whatever you're going to do up there, but I want to clear up a few things for the people out here that or maybe a little misunderstood about how all this works. Because what I'm seeing here, we need to reduce the budget by $5.4 million, which is 1.2% of the city's budget. That's 1.2% that we should ask you to reduce. Instead, you guys are asking us to increase our property taxes by 10, nine and a half to 10%. Now also, they, they put this in ad valorem property taxes. What this is, is added value. That's what ad valorem translates to from the original Latin. Added value means that since your property has gone up, the city deserves to get more money from you. Now the problem is, is that you're taxing dollars that people don't have until the moment they sell their property. Nobody has that money in their bank, but you're gonna tax it and you're gonna increase taxes on it. Now, revenue neutral is kind of a disguised thing because you don't see this very often. The only time you really see a revenue neutral discussion is when you have this large of an increase in tax, uh, in uh, assessed values on property. In the last two years, it's gone up, our property values, almost 20%. Mine, 20.2% personally. But in the, from 2017 to 2020, this is real value on a single property from 148,000 to 165. So that's a little under $20,000 worth of increase over three years. In the last two years, this same property went from 165 to 205. That's $35,000 of value increase, which equates out to about 20% of an increase. Instead of actually working within their budget and taking the added money that they're gonna get from us on our property values, they're gonna ask us to contribute more at a time where inflation is already asking us to contribute more. Inflation is going at a rate of about eight to 9%, according to the Fed right now, they're jacking rates about three quarters of a percent every time they meet. What this means is your credit card bills are gonna become astronomical and they're taking your tax money so you can't pay it. 
Now, most people don't recognize these increases until they look at their escrow statement, and then they blame the mortgage agent, thinking the mortgage agent has screwed with their, with their payment that they're making. Those people are the ones that don't pay attention to this stuff. We can get all kinds of people to come out to support Prairie Park, and I support Prairie Park. I support the Humane Society. Those are things that people are tangible, they can get. But you guys don't give us enough information to become tangible with these numbers. We never actually see on these documents that you hand out to us how much our projected revenue would actually be if we just kept it the same, what the actual number would be. We see the assessed, and then we see the what you're gonna get if you do exceed. Time. But you guys get it. Okay. Yeah, please. Jeff Brandaw, and uh, I, I want to air some of the same concerns, and it's mostly on the revenue neutral. You know, it is not sustainable to continue to have increased property valuations and increased or maintained mill levies. It's not sustainable, and it, that's why they passed the le the state legislature passed this bill is they wanted to have more accountability because they're hearing from the voters as a whole that the tax burden in Kansas is too high. Has anybody come up to you and said, I can't believe how reasonable my property taxes are? Have they? And if they have, I want to know that person because I want to talk to them. You know, I only know people that have moved out of the state and said that they got a raise because of their property tax. Now, you know, I'm on a fixed income, which a lot of people are, and this is just a continued Adam burden, added burden that can't continue. You know, I think a revenue neutral budget that you should adhere to, that's what the legislature said they heard from the people, and that's what it should be, revenue neutral. Any enhancements should come from increased building in those property taxes, from sales. As you can see, there's considerable increase in sales tax. A lot of that's because of inflation which takes a lot of people's money from them. So they have an added burden there. And then you add the burden of increase, it says in this bill, 12.3832% increase in the burden. That's from the increased appraised value and the proposed mill levy. And that's overall. I, I think that it's you're not doing what the people voted for and that is revenue neutral. And listen, we could go over each one of these projects and they're all good. We can come up with more that are good. But you know, if you don't have the money, you don't have it. And if you can budget off revenue neutral, you're doing the job you're sent here to do, in my opinion. And I hope you guys can see your way to do that and to alleviate the burden because it's hard on renters because that property tax is passed on. And that's another thing I haven't heard you know, is how reasonable rent is here in Lawrence, you know, and it's not. And our property tax is not reasonable. And we need to work on it. And it's got to come from other revenue streams, but not property tax. So I hope you bear that in mind as you make your decisions. And thank you for letting me speak. Thank you.
My name is Dr. Justin Spies. I'm running as a Republican candidate for Douglas County Commissioner in District 1. Uh, tomorrow, the uh, county will be doing the same thing at their meeting at uh, 5.30 just down the road here at the, the courthouse. I encourage all you guys to, to come and, and, and voice your concerns as well because it's the same bullshit. It's the same bullshit. So on, on Saturday, the uh, LJ World ran an article about the, uh, the, the tax increases that the county is getting ready to look at. And in there, they have a, a misleading uh, line that says that what the county commissioners are going to end up doing is they're going to vote to lower uh, uh, tax by one mil. And so that sounds great, right? It sounds like taxes are going down. But so the, the revenue neutral mill is 42. And so that means that uh, at 42, the uh, roughly 42, the government won't collect uh, one cent or they won't lose one cent, but they're proposing 46. And so what they're saying by reducing by one is they're, they want to reduce to 45. So your, your tax is not going to go by four, they're going to go by three. So, um, and, and so it's, it's the same, it's the same bullshit that you see here and, and it's all it's all run by the same people so all those county commissioners are all democrats you look up here you got democrat 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 uh come on rhino but basically dem and and democrat here same with the school board the school board is doing is doing the same stuff but also in that article in lj world they talk about how there is uh, 42 million dollars of our tax money just sitting there in what's called a rainy day fund or a savings account so it's just 42 million just sitting there uh, it's gone up uh 30 million since 2019 so in three years it's gone up 30 million and so Recently online, uh, one of the other candidates running for Douglas County Commissioner is a libertarian named Steve Jacob, and he's talking about kind of, you know, how he wants to reduce taxes and stuff like that. And he kind of got cornered a little bit into what he's going to do, you know, to reduce taxes and he's going to cut spending. Well, someone was trying to pin him down with, well, you're going to cut roads and, and essential jobs and stuff like that. It's like, no, no, no. All we got to do is look at the budget. So you got $42 million sitting there. And so the government, the county is saying, hey, uh, we need an emergency. We need a savings account. You're, you and your family don't. So when you have an emergency, you, you, you don't have a savings account, but the, the government does. The government does. And if that ain't the most communist stuff I ever heard, I, I, I don't know what is. And so anyways, you don't need to cut roads and stuff. You look at their budget. We'll start at that $42 million. And then you also look in there. They got miscellaneous funds of tens of millions of dollars. It's called miscellaneous. just sitting there. Where's it going? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of redundancy in the government, the stuff that they propose. I mean, I mean, look at here. Look, look at what we got here. Why is that guy giving the presentation? How refreshing would it be for you guys to give the presentation? Do you guys even know what he's talking about? Bart Littlejohn, could you summarize what was just said in that? So I would like you guys, I'd like to know your ideas. Say we got that guy. It's all outsourced. We got to pay that guy. Now we're paying a city manager here. We got an assistant manager there. There's a lot of things that we could cut along with reducing your taxes. It just takes the courage to do it. My name is Dan Cady, and I'm all for the flat rate. I don't raise it. Don't raise it. We've got retirees like me. I retired three years ago. I don't get a raise. I'm not getting a raise. But but y'all run to raise my taxes. There's a lot of people in here like that. Retirees. They retired here thinking, well, I'm going to pay my house off and then I can afford to go travel and do some other stuff. You don't want that to happen. You don't want them to travel. You want them stuck in their house if they can afford to be there.
and you talk about affordable housing, you're making housing unaffordable for everybody. Families. Families is the next one. I got neighbors that cross the street, moved in, they got two kids. Okay. Inflation is going to hit them for over $5,000 increase this year. And you can thank Joe Biden for that in the Democratic agenda. You can thank them for that. And if you voted for him, you're responsible too. Renters. I talked to a, a, a gentleman who uh, has some rental properties. And I said, what do you, why aren't you down there complaining about this? And what he said was, I'll just pass it on. I'm going to pass it on. I'm going to raise the, the rent on people that can't afford to pay the rent they got now. That's what you want to do. The working man, somebody, my neighbor, another neighbor works in Kansas City. He's paying for gas to go there. And it just, you know, he can't afford anything else. But he's got to go there to work. I would also like to know how much of the ARPA funds you got earmarked for those businesses that were put out of business during COVID. There's a lot of empty slots down Mass Street. What happened to those people, those businessmen? Why is there no money for them? What, isn't that what that money's for? Or is it for you to put affordable housing out somewhere? I mean, $3.3 million. Affordable housing, that's what we want. Everybody wants affordable housing. And you, you have it in your power to, to make it more affordable or not affordable at all. Thank you. Hi, I'm Amy. Taxes always go up and they never come down. Just look at our food tax. We have to eat to live. You think this number of people coming here and expressing our disgust in our government is uncomfortable. Keep doing what you're doing and you'll get even more, I'm sure. Well, until you're voted out. If you raise any taxes right now during the recession, you are no different than the Biden administration. You guys should do the right thing and give the Lawrence citizens a break. We are getting screwed from our government at every turn. At least the working class blue collar folks are and evidently the retired people are. My landlord said the same thing. It'll just be passed on down to me. I wish I could have 90 days worth of salary on reserve. If taxes weren't already so high, maybe I could. I'm disgusted with the rambling on of how you intend to spend all of our hard-earned money. I understand we have to have some taxes. It's not right to keep raising people's property taxes though. I can't help but think we may not be in this position if we hadn't built the new police station. And how about the updated library? I hope you guys don't raise the property taxes. Everything else is going up. And 
I think that went up just not that long ago by a lot. It's not fair and it's not right. We can't go on vacations and do stuff like that. Even renters can't anymore. Thank you. Hi, I'm Chris Flowers. Um, I, I think you all should find a way to reduce the budget, I guess, by 5.4 million and not raise taxes. But um, what I want to ask is, um, it's, it just seems kind of suspicious to me that like last month, I guess, we were talking about completely closing Prairie Nature Center and now the, the funding's been restored. But if I remember that meeting, only two commissioners specifically said they wanted to keep it open. So I'm just wondering, do you, do you all think that maybe the reason that Prairie Park Nature Center was like that funding was cut to begin with is because city staff was planning on returning the funding all along. So that way people won't be, I mean, they, they, you get them all worked up about the Prairie Nature Center. And then when you return it, you're the good guy. But then maybe they don't notice what the staff really wants to put through. And I think what staff really wants to put through is the, um, the tax increase. Um, so that I just want to throw that out there. Thank you. I'm probably not going to be very popular in saying this, but I just want to go on record that there are many of us in Lawrence who realize what a horrific job you have to do to try to balance a city budget. That there is so many issues that this town finds extremely important and the money has to come from somewhere. I am a retiree, my husband's a retiree, we are on a limited budget. Yes, increasing property taxes is going to cost us along with the increase in groceries. It means we've got less money to put into the pro property or do any traveling to visit relatives out of state. But having Lawrence as a livable, enjoyable community of the kind that it is now where it provides so many things for so many people is important. So your efforts are appreciated. Thank you. Hello, my name is Jason Duvall. I did not plan on saying anything about this. I came here for the talk later uh, about the Humane Society and Prairie Park. I just wanted to come up here and say I heard multiple people talking earlier about um, costs being passed on to renters. I wanted to comment that as a renter, I one, am okay with that, and two, find issue with that being pushed as uh, something to be expected that is on the people owning the properties that is not on the people renting the properties that is not on the people pushing the tax increases. The tax increase helps the whole of the city. If that's being passed on to renters that is being done by the people owning the properties and people don't need to own more properties than they live in anyway. That's all. Is there any further public comment in the room or I don't know if you can, hopefully you all can hear me out there. Any further public comment? 
Let's go to online and see if there's any public comment. Uh, if you have any comment, please raise your virtual hand. <coughs> there's no more comment on this item there. Okay, let's bring it back to the commission. Um, I, I actually have a question. I hope somebody knows the answer to. I, I thought we'd been revenue neutral, voted to be revenue neutral several years in a row. And I didn't remember the city raising taxes for something like 12 years. Jeremy, can you uh, help, if, can somebody help me remember the accuracy of, of what our, what we have and haven't done in the past, what our record is? at the city here. Jeremy Wilmoth, finance director. I think this is part of the um, confusion that that occurs is that the city has, the city commission has voted to keep the mill levy flat um, for several years in a row. Um, however, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. So it, it really becomes a math thing. Um, so what we do is we establish a budget revenue that is needed to fund the uh, programs and the, the uh, projects that you all have deemed worthy in the general fund. The uh, county has established what they call the um, preliminary or the estimated assessed valuation. However, that's before it goes through the appeal process and the uh, Board of Tax Appeal process has completed. So the assessed valuation that we begin the budget process with is never the assessed valuation that we actually have at the time that the um, Board of Tax Appeals certifies the assessed valuation for the city. State law allows the county clerk then to take the revenue that you all need for your budget divided by the assessed valuation certified by the Board of Tax Appeals, and that becomes the mill levy. So to say the mill levy has been flat year over year over year is a little bit of a misnomer simply because it's gone down or up a penny based on uh, those variations in assessed valuation. But the intent of the City Commission uh, has been that the mill levy stay at the same level it was at uh, in the prior year. However, because of increases in assessed valuation, then the actual revenues derived uh, from the mill levy have gone up. Um, and I believe we, we showed that in our um, July uh, 12th presentation. Uh, conversation commissioners or further questions? Jeremy, you kind of alluded to one of my questions, which was the, the assessed valuation piece. And just for just a point of information, I think you you explained it where that assessed valuation comes from that we use to guide our budget. So um, thank you for um, answering that without me having to ask it. Uh, my second question was, um, I, and, and I remember asking this of you earlier in the year, when we talk about revenue neutral rate, that's, is that a relatively new term as far as for local government? And as we talk about leaving the mail flat and recognizing our revenue neutral rate, is that something that's typically been a part of the conversation or is revenue neutral rate a, a nuanced term for, um, for local municipalities and how they assess their budgets? <laughs> 
So I'm not exactly sure how to answer that. The, the revenue neutral rate as it's defined in state law only occurred last year. Um, the, the state legislature repealed the property tax lid and all of its uh, exemptions and replaced it instead with this truth and taxation uh, process whereby um, each property owner is notified by the county of what the revenue neutral rate is for the various uh, taxing entities and what that taxing entity is um, actually requesting if it's exceeding that revenue neutral rate. Um, so the, the concept of revenue neutral rate would be a new concept for the state of Kansas as of last year. Um, in terms of whether or not this community has discussed um, the, the process or the prospect of the property tax in relationship to what would now be deemed a revenue neutral rate, I can't really answer. It hasn't occurred in the, the four years I've been in the four years. Um, typically the discussion around property tax uh, in the time that I've been with this community has been in relationship to whether or not that mill levy is staying um, close to what it had been in prior years. Okay, and then you spoke on the amendment that was made this past year to the Truth and Taxation Bill Act. Was there any, to, to your recollection, and I'm trying to remember and I can't, were there any other tax bills that were passed that related to property tax assessment or valuation for, um, I want to say there was one for, for individuals, I think over the age of 65 or 60, could you help me with that? I'm not well versed in that because that's a state thing. Um, I do remember reading about it, but it was essentially an expansion on the homestead exemption, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So it doesn't, so it doesn't, doesn't necessarily, necessarily, necessarily impact us because it's random. Right. It's more school based. Right. Yeah. Okay. Other questions or discussion? A question: Has staff at all looked at the prospect of of, of that five point four million and whether or not some of it could be removed? Or have you looked at any any programs or projects that you would potentially um, see would um, where we wouldn't have to have it for this budget in order to bring that five point four million down? Um. So I would say that uh, when we began the um, the executive team began to discuss the budget, it was in relationship to um, that gap we thought we were going to have, which was closer to $10 million. Um, it was before the assessed valuation was known. It was before we had really done a deep dive into our revenue. And so it was really just taking last year's projection. Okay, what do we think that gap is? Um, based on that, we had some um, pretty, you know, candid discussions among staff about what are those large, um, substantial changes that that could potentially be recommended that would, you know, drastically reduce the operating cost of the general fund, and um, that was essentially where we started the process. Um, those fourth quartile programs and other programs within the general fund. Um, and as, as I sort of outlined why we weeded out 
the programs that we weeded out from the fourth quartile, we also did similar things to those other programs uh, in that the, um, the service level that we currently provide, um, I can emphatically say there would be no way to provide that level of service by lowering the mill levy to the revenue neutral rate. And so the, the discussion or the consideration by the city commission would be, what are the programs that you're willing to accept a significant level of um, service delivery reduction in order to achieve that uh, revenue neutral rate? Um, and beyond that, um, I, you know, happy to let Craig chime in, but um, there wasn't a lot of consideration at our level of those areas that we felt like we could meet the objectives of the strategic plan and also make significant uh, service level reductions to the general fund and achieve those results. I don't. I don't have. Uh, I agree with everything that Jeremy just said. I, I would just remind, go back to May, where we said these are kind of our parameters that we're working within. One was that um, we're going to honor the paying commitments that we've made for um, market level pay for, and that's been a, hard, a heavy lift, as you well know, uh, and it's expensive. But we have both have uh, uh, negotiated agreements with employee groups, and we have those uh, other employees that we're trying to get to market rate pay. Those were all things that were kind of parameters that we checked in with you on. We want to honor those commitments. So outside of that, then we have to really get into uh, reducing service levels because when you start to say that, you know, maybe an average employee is um, 70 or $80,000 um, with benefits and all that, you can see how many employees that would start to cut down to equal 5.4 million because personnel is a large portion. The other place that we would go in that uh, conversation and that cities many times too is let's delay our investment in capital projects. So the CIP is a very, it's a very uh, robust CIP because we're trying to catch up with decisions I think that have been made historically that did exactly that. So in one year period of time, we could do one-time reductions that defer a lot of expenses off. And I consider sometimes uh, managing payroll to be the same sort of thing. You can pay now or pay later. If you if you don't keep up with market, then market finds you and then you have to raise pay to get employees back in the seat. So um, anywhere you go, one time things really are not a solution to ongoing um, ongoing revenue implications. So, uh, you know, I hesitate to even mention some of the program areas, but understand that the general fund contains um, our street and street maintenance programs. And those are some of the lowest scores that we've seen on our ETC survey. We just got back. The citizens are telling us they want much better streets and much better maintained streets. So that's what comprises the general fund, reducing the staffing that maintains the streets until we can get the capital investments made would be something we'd start looking at. Um, we'd start looking at um, the fire department is funded out of that. And those are, you know, those are um, the way that you address uh, fire services is in pretty good 
bite-sized chunks. You can't just kind of say one person here, one person here. You really look at it at station capacity. And so we'd have very difficult decisions that we'd have to look at about reducing levels of service through of the fire service. Um, same thing with policing. Policing, do we want to reduce the number of uh, people that are responding to emergency calls? I think we gave you some idea of our calls for service. So those are people reaching out to us asking for emergency service provision. They're saying, I need help right now. And the number of people in our community that ask for that help has gone up this year uh, compared to even where we were in 19. Um, and, and investigation of those crimes that continues. And those are the big pieces of the budget in the police budget that we would have to look at. That's where we start to get to the five, a number like $5.4 million. Um, there's There are other um, staffing that we've been painfully trying to, to uh, invest in like IT where we see um, some neighboring communities, um, you know, really brought to their knees operationally because of cybersecurity threats. And we want to make sure we don't have vulnerabilities like that, making sure that we have payroll enough people to keep payroll accurate uh, as a baseline. Um, those are some of the things that often get looked at and reductions in those services after we've worked so hard to get to a line like a, a, a good audit report like we celebrated last meeting. Those are all the types of things that we would look at service reductions on to get to 5.4 million. I'm not saying that they can't be done, but the reason when we had those difficult conversations and analyzed those things, those were things that um, we knew would be difficult. I also highlight that there's a lot of difficulty in getting the 1.2 million in revenue that we're going to have to find to um, to look at recreation. That's the other general fund major category. So we're as a community going to have some hard conversations ahead of us just finding the 1.2 million. So we didn't feel like going deeper into parks and recreation was something other than what you know I initially proposed that that was a, a, a place where there would be a community tolerance. So that's kind of the broad brush, but we did look deeply at all of these programs. We went through it and felt like with in the parameters that we were given, um, that number, um, as easy as it might look as a percentage, it still implies a lot of um, staffing reductions and the service reductions that are impacting people in the community. Thank you. Any other questions? Commissioner Finkeldat, unless I recall incorrectly, <clears throat> when we talked about this earlier, you didn't want to exceed the revenue neutral rate. So I wanted to let you <coughs> start. Well, I didn't, um, I didn't want to raise the, the mill levy as we, as we uh, published it with the higher mill levy. Oh. Um, you know, I certainly, you know, I, you know, I, I certainly appreciate the, you know, the truth in taxation. I, I had a lot of people who had seen it, you know, got letters in the mail. And, and I think this has brought more people out to talk about it. Um, and I think it's an important conversation to have to understand, you know, what, what your taxes are going for and what you're paying for. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, we do it the right way, which is to create the budget, decide what we want to fund, and then back into the math to make it work. Um, and so, you know, as I've continued to look at the budget and try to find ways, um, you know, to cut the budget, obviously things like Prairie Park and, and uh, um, Humane Society and others um, have gotten a lot of tension. You know, if, if we recommended whatever, um, 
closing a fire station or, you know, not doing street maintenance for a year or whatever they are, um, you know, I think those are all difficult decisions. Of course, the, you know, the biggest increases are increases in pay for our employees, um, the 2.25% raise um, and otherwise. And so, again, there's some conversations here about um, tonight about folks who aren't getting a raise. Um, you know, one option would be is we could put all our city employees in that same category, not give them a raise. Um, but I don't think that's right. Um, I, I think we do need enhanced revenue to give them a cost of living. And it's a 2.25% cost of living. And as many people talked about today, we have an 8% you know, inflation. And so giving our employees a 2.25% plus a step, um, you know, they might not even go backwards. So to go, to go cut even further, um, you know, I don't, I don't see. So, um, you know, I do want to leave the, the mill levy flat at the 33.29. Um, um, but um, I do think after, after looking at the budget, I, I will support the um, revenue neutral um, exceeding the revenue neutral rate. Um, I, I guess I'll go ahead and go. Um, you know, I agree that I I appreciate the this, the state passing the revenue neutral rule, and I like the tax lid before that. I really did. I think it really um, provided some accountability. Um, the one thing with the tax lid that I think was not as um, good as what we have now with revenue neutral is that the tax lid, it was somewhat easier to get around because you could spend money. Um, things like public safety was not um, held under that tax lid program. So you could fund those items without um, bumping up to the tax lid. So I appreciated that, but I do think the revenue neutral is a better way to, to make us accountable. Um, and and so in that regard, I agree with um, Commissioner Finkeldie that we decided what we wanted to fund at the beginning of the budget season, and then we started backing into that money-wise how we could fund those items. And the community did step up and provide us with some very um, pointed conversation about what they want to fund, and I appreciate that very much. And so when we started out this budget discussion in, I don't know, May or, or April, I said I wanted to lower taxes. I wanted to lower the mill levy rate. But then we come back, Craig came back with all the items we wanted to fund. And, you know, based on what I see in that budget, we are investing heavily in our CIP, which is so important because that's going to save us money in the future. So it was hard for me to say this wasn't a good budget for that. So I'm going to support the, the um, what is proposed here. Um, even though I do agree with um, Mr. Grandoff, I think your name was, but that this is not sustainable. We cannot continue to do this um, at this large of a jump like this. And I think it's going to be, we need to be really cautious going, going forward in the future because we just can't keep doing this. So. I would agree um, uh, with the city staff's proposal to um, regard, in regards to the revenue neutral rate. Um, also with uh, Commissioner Finkeldie in regards to staff, um, it's, we are already down so much staff and uh, we, we definitely need to make sure that we are appropriately compensating them to make sure that uh, we, we are treating them 
as they should be treated. Um, and part of that as well is our, our efforts to make sure in other parts of compensation as well in, in terms of um, unions and whatnot and making sure that they have proper representation. And uh, that unfortunately does cost money. But on that end, we make sure that we are taking care of the people that take care of the city. So, um, granted, uh, as Vice Mayor Larson said, it is a bit of a jump and um, down the line, it probably, you know, there will be different conversations to have. But um, as I've said before, uh, I, I, I approve what the staff has put before us today, so. Commissioner Sellers, you got anything? No, you want something from me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I definitely motion. Uh, choo, 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 choo. Um, no, I agree. We agree with the revenue neutral rate. I wanted us to at least have the um, our hearing because I think what we were able to accomplish as a commission, as a community, was for the community to come out and listen and hear. Um, to have a better understanding of the responsibility set upon the governing body as well as our city manager and our city staff. And so I do believe we accomplished that and we've had that discussion. And I think for me, it's been, um, um, it's not been eye-opening, it's, it's been, um, it's, it's been exciting to hear our community, you know, converse about what our future is going to, what our future is going to look like. And um, I don't want to, Gargle, I don't want to garble a, a, a quote, but it, essentially the the essence of the quote is that, you know, oftentimes, many times we benefit from, um, you know, we live in a privilege um, that was given to us by our predecessors and our ancestors. And oftentimes that privilege comes at a cost and that at some point we have to reconcile that privilege that was given to us by our predecessors and our ancestors. And so whatever that is, and that's as we talk about sound fiscal stewardship, and we talk about the vision of the community and we talk about our strategic plan and what do we do to make Lawrence an inclusive and welcoming and inviting community. It does take difficult conversations. It does take um, looking at a budget that is going to, um, it's going to impact everyone um, as homeowners, as well as renters like myself. So what do we do to put ourselves in a position so that we can create some stasis so that we can reconcile that privilege that we've been living from and that we can officially, then we can have, so that we can have a budget and work from um, a budget that um, perhaps is a little bit more slim and trim um, and without, um, losing some of the 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 benefits and and and, and um, resources that we have in the community so um, I think there's something to be said about what was discussed today and what the intent um, moving forward with with this process and, and and what we could do as a community and as a commission to to charge um, city staff to work with us to create a budget that um, Builds and you know, that is sustainable, but also is going to help us um, address some of the concerns that we've had for a great deal in our community. So I'm ready to go. Mayor, if you're ready Thank for a motion. Um, hold on, before we do that, I did want to say we did open the public hearing, so we also need to close the public hearing. Oh. Um, so yeah, if you are ready for a motion. So just motion to close the hearing or motion to close? <clears throat> no, we don't need a motion on that. Okay. 
Uh, but you can um, make your motion about the revenue neutral rate. It'll take a first and second, and then Sherry will take a roll. Okay. So I move that we adopt resolution number 7445 to levy a property rate not to exceed the revenue neutral rate of Mm-mm. nope nope and then i'm gonna stop because i don't want to mess up a motion mm-hmm. <laughs> i'll try it there you go Adopt okay. resolution I'll second seven four four five to levy a property tax rate exceeding the revenue neutral rate for the 2023 budget second i have a first and a second sherry can you take that role for us uh yes mayor shipley aye vice mayor larson aye commissioner little john aye Commissioner Finkeldye. Aye. Commissioner Sellers. Aye. That passes five to zero. Thank you, everyone. Um, thank you, Jeremy. And thank you to the public commenters who came. Um, we don't take that in any way lightly. Um, let's move on to our next item, which is conduct a public hearing to consider the fiscal year. 2023 budget. Thank you, Jeremy Wilmoth, Director of Finance. Um, I don't have any additional comments to add just to point the public and uh, you all to the uh, staff report we put together under the previous agenda items. You'll note all of the various uh, discussion items that have been um, held with the public for the budget. And under the attachments, you'll note the uh, revised fund summaries, the revised CIP, and then the state budget form um, are all there for your consideration. And of course, we've also included all of the comments that we've received uh, on our Lawrence Listens platform and uh, also any public comments that were made uh, before the deadline today. I'd be happy to answer any questions you all may have. Thank you. Any questions from commissioners? A couple questions. Um, a couple questions about the ones we've received the most common about. Um, and and again, I, I think most of these, like many things we do, we, we set a budget, but then we're going to make future decisions about some of these items. Um, but I guess I want to be clear on that going forward as we adopt the budget. Um, for example, the you know we've we've added in the waste water and water projects we talked briefly about on August 9th. Um, but those aren't set until we actually set the fees later in the year, correct? That is correct. Yes. Um, the the CIP was um, amended per that discussion. Um, of course that CIP can then be amended again once the rates are actually established later this year. Uh, or, you know, it, the, the CIP is your document. So if you all, you know, make a decision that you would like to move a project up or down or off that list, uh, that is within your prerogative. Um, and one of those CIP items, for example, I want to be clear on this because I know we've had some comments, is the South Lawrence Trafficway Improvements. It's It was originally entitled a, a part of the Wakarusa extension. And we changed that just to be generally South Lawrence Trafficway improvements, which could, but could also not include that Wakarusa extension. Is, is that correct? 
Jeremy Wilmoth, I'll start here and then I'll invite um, either Melinda or Dave to, to bail me out because I'm going to get out of my depth pretty quick. But um, it, it is correct that we changed the name because we actually changed the project. I think when the project was initially um, conceived, uh, it was just focused on extending Wakarusa. However, um, through you know community conversations and conversations with the county and the state, uh, a more um, regional look at that area was considered for the entire traffic way instead of just focusing on uh, Wakarusa. So the project name was changed uh, to um, align with those uh, re revised um, expectations. And I see Dave's on if Dave, feel free to. Yeah, Dave Cronin, city engineer. Um, Jeremy's correct. So the the um, the project in the CIP is South Lawrence Trafficway Improvements, which includes the improvements that would be done as part of the city's uh, cost share participation um, in in the overall SLT project. So again, KDOT asked the city and the county to participate financially uh, to help move the project forward into the construction pipeline, which uh, they recently announced last week that they are doing that. So that's good news. Um, and then through our conversations with KDOT, we've uh, negotiated that those dollars be spent to local improvements. And so originally South, uh, the Wakarusa Extension project has been in the CIP for a few years um, as a standalone project at about um, $7 million. And after looking at uh, cost estimates for that project, uh, we revised that down. So that project is uh, the city's cost of that project would be about 3.6 million and not seven. And then the other 3.4 million would be um, to reconstruct Walkers and north of K10 and to improve East 900 Road uh, just west of uh, northwest of Clinton Parkway and K10. But like any CIP item, we'll take up different portions of that along the way. Yeah, that would be correct. So we we actually we had funds in 2022 for designing that project. Um, and so we would, um, if it remains in the CIP, we would uh, bring back a scope and fee for design services for that uh, Walker's extension project. And also there will be a forthcoming uh, city KDOT agreement that uh, would be something that the commission would take action on. That would include the project. Thank you. And I guess the last one would be the the Humane Society contract. That's a, a contract. Maybe someone else, Dave, you off the hook. Does that contract come back to us at the time it's or is it under the the amount that we won't see? Jeremy Willett, finance director. Um, if that contract is under a hundred thousand dollars, it would be at the city manager's discretion level. Um, if it's over a hundred thousand, then it would be at the city commission. <coughs> no, we expect it to be over a hundred thousand, so it will come back to us. Back to us yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I maybe want to be sure I understand Dave Cronin and make sure. Um, so there was the budgeted amount that we were responsible for from Clinton Parkway to the Southwest Lawrence traffic. We already had that budgeted. Are you saying you're including that amount in the uh, seven, 7 million as opposed to it being a separate 
item, I think, as it was previously. Am I misunderstanding you? Yeah, Dave Crone, city engineer, the, the Walker Street reconstruction north of K-10 is included in that $7 million. Okay. And I, I am still a little bit trying to understand um, who we're satisfying with these matches. Um, certainly, there's a, seems like a certain amount that uh, KDOT is asking for us to have some skin in the game. Is there an amount that we uh, owe the county that we need to offset in another project, or is it only KDOT um, we're needing to satisfy with that $7 million? Well, KDOT had asked for um, about a 10% match, uh, about 14 million from the city and the county. So that the way that um, we had uh, put together our list of cost share projects, it was about $7 million each from the city and the county to KDOT. So that would need to be, if there was some change that would need to be uh, restructured, but overall KDOT was looking for the $14 million from the city and the county, and it was $7 million each. So that's the discussion that we've had so far. Um, that is the uh, amount that the $7 million is the amount that we had kind of told KDOT we would be participating in, we being the city. Thank you. Uh, any other questions? Uh, there, you got anything? Uh, there was one little thing, uh, the lawn, long leaf, and I, I did send an email about it, but I just wanted to be sure. The long leaf um, uh, division street project, um, I think we mentioned it very briefly in our last discussion. And I understand that everything that was unfunded, just everything that was unfunded, um, went on the um, uh, proposed grant funding. Um, and I, I wasn't sure I felt like that was appropriate that it should, if it's a city responsibility street and not an HOA street, um, that that should go in with prioritization uh, just as everything else. So I, I do see that it's on the unfunded list, but I didn't, I guess what I didn't want is um, our, our grant um, study partners to look at that and, and, and look for grant funding for something that's not appropriate. Um, so I don't know if anyone wanted to comment on, on that. Yeah, I'll start. Um, first, um, most projects that are listed under the evaluation for grant funding are also prioritized. Uh, and so we're going to be, you know, targeting those projects toward the top of the list uh, to look for grants first. Um, that item, the Longleaf Division Street Improvement, is a, a much lower priority item on that list. Um, However, and I, I'll need Dave to step in here again. I believe that we've discussed that um, this project probably shouldn't really be looked at as a standalone grant per se, but really should be evaluated in the street maintenance plan. Um, and then the prioritization of the Longleaf uh, city portion of the street in Longleaf uh, should be prioritized along with every other street in our street maintenance plan. Um, so while it's currently on the evaluated for grant funding portion of the unfunded list, I believe we're just going to remove it uh, with the understanding that the uh, that street, along with all the other streets uh, that need to be maintained, are scored uh, for pavement, um, the pavement index, and then it will be um, 
it will it will be maintained at the time that the uh, it meets our uh, prioritization of that plan. Dave, do you have anything to add? That's all correct, Jeremy. Thanks. Great, thank you. Yeah, that was my that was my understanding from our last conversation. I just wanted to follow up on that. Um, and I guess in a sense, if it's in the street maintenance that we don't have funded, it's on the list twice. <laughs> um, any other questions? So um, we are going to open the public hearing for this as well, but I, I kind of want to make sure the point that Commissioner Finkeldy is trying to make about the Humane Society, not to open discussion, but also to if we have a, a solution or an understanding on this issue, I would like to relieve people of the uh, feeling that they have to comment um, if they feel that we have satisfied um, their um, concerns um, on this issue. Um, so it's a little unusual for me to ask um, <laughs> if we are all having the same understanding that I certainly heard two commissioners saying, as this um, uh, contract is discussed in the future, the expectation certainly on my part, and I, I understood from your discussion last time, uh, Vice Mayor, a possible expectation that, that this would be funded further or that the expansion of their services um, would be um, more appropriate. Um, am I understanding that correctly? Well, I, I don't have any expectation to say that I would fund it right now. I mean, I would have to see all the documents and data that comes about at the time that we actually review that contract and um, to see how that would fit in with our budget, if there's room or not. I'm definitely open to that. But um, I mean, that's where I would be coming from. Since we're not voting on that tonight, mm -hmm. then I would prefer to reserve my decision until I've got more information in front of me. So maybe I want to do a kind of a follow-up on what um, Commissioner Finkeldy was asking, which is about how we hold places for um, contracts. So, I mean, in theory, we um, look at contracts all the time. Could be police or fire or the unions that may expand at any time. Is is the place where is the place we're holding for Humane Society funding as a contract, is that any different than any other contract that we would normally negotiate throughout the year? Is, are we holding the same space that we would for any other group? It's a little, it's a little unusual, but like uh, easier to look at an engineering contract where we're estimating a project, but there's an engineer's estimate. And then when we get into the negotiation of the scope, that would be something that we would have a little bit of flexibility about, but we're still guessing where we're going to end. But we have a long relationship with the Humane Society, so um, we have some more predictability in the proposal to reduce those or look for um, savings in those um, would you know, be something that we would uh, need to have conversations about. Um, and, but it's not, it's not predictable or conclusive until we have those conversations. Right. So it's a little unusual, but we have a long track record with this particular um, partner. Like I said, with, with the Humane Society, that's a three-year contract agreement or is it renewed annually? 
do we go into an agreement with them annually or do we go every three years? I think it's a multi-year agreement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Katie Barnett, attorney for the Lawrence Humane Society. Our agreement with the city is a contract that was executed in 2018. Um, and then that contract terms out at the end of 2023. So contract negotiations would occur then in 2024. So we, this contract, we've renewed it every term that's been available. So technically we could renegotiate the contract, I guess, but it's not up until 2024. Does that help? Okay. Thank you. And so what was included in the, what was in the revised budget reflects could could ref, is potentially reflecting what is going to be for the remainder of the contract or for what we're proposing for the next contract agreement. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm like saying yes, yes, okay. It was worth a shot. Um, any other comments or questions? Um, okay, well, we're going to open the public hearing now. Um, Uh, this is particularly on the budget. There's one number I want everybody to remember. 13 one hundredths of a percent. In my line of work, that's pretty much as easy as just letting my foot off the accelerator a little bit every now and then, maybe a little earlier before I get to the stoplight. In a secretary's world, that's not printing a document to proof it. Maybe that's proofing it on the computer instead. In a Carpenter's world, that's measure twice and cut once. 13 one hundredths of a percent is how much you would need to trim each department in this city to make up that 5.4. 13 one hundredths of a percent. But you would rather take an additional 10 from us. <coughs> Think about that. 13 one hundredths of a percent from each department to get your 5. Point million. We have nine departments in the city, correct? I'm, I'm hoping that's correct. That's what I read on the website. I counted nine. Basic math. 13 one hundredths of a percent, guys. That's all they'd have to trim. But they're going to charge us an extra 10% on, and this is money that we don't have in our bank account. This is just money sitting in the house, and it's actually not even real money. It's just whatever some appraiser deems it worth. And I can get an appraiser to come out and deem it worth a different value as well. And the last thing I'm going to say is all those out there that don't like this, um, I wonder how much time it would take the city to process all of our payment under protest applications. I mean, how much would that cost the city? Five and a half, six million at least. And while we're talking about the city expending money, I can tell you right now that the amount of money that's been spent by the city obstructing my core requests, <laughs> the number of attorney hours going into trying to find a way out of handing over a document, there's your 0.13%, Craig. <laughs> Good evening. My name is Michael Allman with Sustainability Action Network. 
Uh, just a while ago, you all were mentioning that Project MS-220029 was named South Lawrence Traffic Way Improvements, not Wakarusa Extension. However, I hope you are aware, and everybody needs to be aware, that on the project details sheet in the CIP, item number one for cost share, Commissioner Finkeldine knows this, is the Wakarusa Extension. The Sustainability Action Network requests that you vote this evening to remove that item number one from the CIP project detail sheet. Multimodal Transportation Commission has voted unanimously to recommend that you remove the Wakarusa extension from that project detail sheet. And I concur with their reasons that it is not in conformance with plan 2040 nor the strategic plan that it was not evaluated in the SLT Supplemental Environmental Impact Statement or any environmental impact statement, that it would prompt urban sprawl into tier three prime farmland decades before the planning horizon. That's from the Multimodal Transportation Commission in the letter to you in your packet tonight. While so much undue attention has been focused on this ill-conceived project, major problems are being overshadowed at two other K-10 interchanges. At Clinton, Parkway, um, at Clinton Parkway, KDOT is replacing a safe Lawrence Loop underpass with a dangerous at-grade crossing of six highway lanes. Um, and at the 33rd and Iowa, Iowa Street, KDOT is reconfiguring that whole interchange, excuse me, interchange with millions of taxpayer dollars to install a highway ramp for no other purpose than to enable a private developer's regional retail plans that have been either rejected or withdrawn four times already. The, MM, the Multimodal Transportation Commission suggested that you use these two interchanges as Lawrence's SLT cost share, it's in that letter that I mentioned, for bicycle pedestrian safety improvements. We concur with Sustainability Action Network. That would be much better cost share and much more in keeping with the goals of Plan 2040 and safety for pedestrians and bicyclists. Thank you very much. Short people. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> Hi, my name is Shannon Wells, um, and I am the executive director of the Lawrence Humane Society. I'm going to go a little bit off script for what I was going to talk about tonight, just because of the conversation that happened a few minutes ago, talking about the potential to bundle additional services under the Lawrence Humane Society's agreement. And I just wanted to let you know, you know, previously I worked at another shelter where that kind of conversation happened, where the privatized shelter took over running animal control services. And that is a very lengthy conversation. I am worried about trying to bundle the, these things together this close to the end of the year when some of, of the conversation around what we can and will do will have a large uh, dependency on how we're being funded. So I would really like to see the commission 
look at whether or not they want to secure funding specifically for sheltering services so that that other conversation can have more of a natural evolution. Um, for us, I think that we've been really reasonable in the fees that, that um, the city pays to us for the service that we provide. And it's really important to me that we ensure that that level of service is maintained regardless of how the rest of the conversation goes about additional services. So I think that what you guys are going to find as we get into more in depth on all of this is that um, per capita, we are very reasonable compared to what other communities are charging for sheltering services. We haven't asked for an increase in the five years, or excuse me, the four years that we've been operating operating under our current agreement. Um, even though there was a provision for a 3% annual increase request, um, we didn't ask for that, especially at a time when cost of goods and services is going up. And when, you know, COVID has brought such uncertainty to us, you know, we've tried to just be really good stewards of the money that we did have. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at how many services we provide the community, um, Lawrence residents get about 70% of the services that we provide annually. And that costs our organization about $1.6 million. So when we look at the fees that the city are paying just for sheltering services, we do feel like $365,000 fully funded is very, very reasonable and that we're being good partners in, in asking for that amount. So um, I'm just urging you to, to consider going ahead and locking in for us to be fully funded um, because I think that we've been really good partners and then allow us to enter into any further discussion independent of making sure that the sheltering services are secured. Thank you. Hi, Katie Barnett, uh, Lawrence Humane Society. Uh, just quickly, I want to talk to you about kind of what it looks like when a shelter isn't fully funded. Um, before I came to the Lawrence Humane Society, it was my job to travel across the country. Um, I worked for a national organization. We worked with cities on the East Coast and West Coast um, for ordinances, getting the most progressive ordinances, the most effective ordinances to keep cities um, and the pets in those cities safe, working on animal control policies that were progressive and also working on shelter operations. So it's kind of my job to go in and fix those things. And, and what we see when an animal shelter and an animal control agency is not fully funded, the two most common things you see are stray roaming dogs and the quality of care of animals in the community, domestic animals, goes down pretty significantly. Um, the Lawrence Humane Society has done a lot to curb all of those issues, fully funded. Um, and so if we don't fund the shelter, I, I just, I don't want to see that in my community um, because it's like watching something you know is going to go terribly wrong and just watching it happen. Um, I just wanted to give you briefly um, some, I wouldn't say peer cities, but from you know rural to urban and see, seeing where kind of the Lawrence city stands um, with funding as far as their shelter goes and their population. Um, Johnson County, Missouri, where Warrensburg is, where police chief, police chief is from, um, they have a population of the whole county, about 53,000 people. Um, their animal shelter gets $400,000 a year, which is about $7 per capita. Um, for comparison, 
our population is about 97,000, 365,000 is about $3.70 per capita. So we're about half what a rural city or rural county is getting um, for services, for animal sheltering services. And if you look at Kansas City, Missouri, the population is 491,000. Their contract is 3.2 million for just animal sheltering services, which is $6.50 per capita. Um, Ottawa, even down there where it's 12,000 people, their sheltering services contract is for $60,000, which is $4.87 per capita. So what the, the money that the city provides the Lawrence Humane Society is actually very, very low when you compare other cities that have flat rate contracts. Um, so I just urge you to consider fully funding the shelter. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Alina Alterman and I'm the Director of Development and Communications at the Humane Society. So prior to coming to work at the Humane Society, I spent nearly five years as a program officer at the Kansas Health Foundation, the largest foundation in the state. And there my focus was on funding and building the organizational capacity of nonprofits in Kansas that were focused on social determinants of health, housing, uh, immigration, racial justice, healthy living, food access, and much, much more. Um, and as such, in that capacity, I reviewed hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of budgets from organizations across the state and many of those in Lawrence. And it's often said that no one knows how to budget like a nonprofit. Uh, that's especially true at an animal shelter. And when I look at Lawrence Humane's budget and compared to the actual day-to-day -day work of the organization, I can say with absolute professional certainty based on my years of experience that the way that the Lawrence Humane Society consistently strives to do more with less is unparalleled. The expenditures are not frivolous. The ability to pay staff and keep the building operating, uh, purchasing medicine and critical supplies for the veterinary clinic, purchasing cleaning and disinfecting equipment. This makes the difference between life and death and health and infectious disease in a community and safety and trauma for the staff. And while the images that might come to mind of working at a humane society might be fuzzy and cute and there's puppies and there's kittens, the reality is that it's physically and emotionally exhausting. Um, it's incredibly challenging and this is a job in which every single one of the 30 staff members are perpetually fluctuating between ensuring that all animals physical and mental health needs are met, trying to meet the needs of the community members who are in alternating states of joy and grief and anger and stress and lashing out or hugging us and trying to support one another as the organization is understaffed and always brainstorming how can we help one more animal? How can we help one more person? And while a cut of 35,000 might seem insignificant to Lawrence Humane, it would be indescribably damaging. <laughs> Moreover, a cut like this has damaging ripple effects uh, for other funding sources. So speaking you know, from experience, <laughs> when making funding decisions, funders like to see that a community is invested in an organization. And that applies to private donors, but also local government. And so decreased support from the city of Lawrence would cause funders to question, did the quality, did the quantity of services that Lawrence Humane provides decrease when in fact it's very much the opposite. And I would worry as a funder if I saw an organization take on a new project before funding was secured for existing work. So I really urge you guys to fund the $35,000 and then let's have a separate conversation about all the other services that, that we could provide. Thank you. 
Good evening. My name is Susan Harvey Schmitz. I'm a volunteer, longtime volunteer, and a critical care foster for Lawrence Humane Society. I want to kind of piggyback on a couple of the things that I heard from a couple of you. First of all, Mr. Littlejohn, uh, you had made the statement that it was important to you that the city council take care of the people who are taking care of the city. Did I get that right? That's what Lawrence Humane Society is doing. Um, I think sometimes we get the misconception that ah, it's just it's just animals, you know, cute little fuzzy animals. We love them, but it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. Um, what this humane society does is to care for the community and that community includes the animals. And I guess my question to you, what I'm trying to process here is what, if you, if it cannot be fully funded, what are you willing to give up in the care of this community? What will it be? Will it be, you know, these neonatals that we get? Good grief, what did I say? <laughs> Not you. Um, would it be in the care of the neonatals? Will they just be killed? Or will, will the resources be there to take care of them until they can be adopted? Will it be for the homeless folks that have their animals? Perhaps they need to be in a long-term foster for a while until they can get on their feet? Will that go out the door? If so, what happens to those people? What happens to those animals? And I could go on and on. I just want you to be able to think about what you're willing to give up. Because if this humane society is not fully funded, don't kid yourself, you're gonna be giving up some real tangible services to this community, to the people that live here. And finally, I just kind of want to piggyback on something you said, which is you, to you, what's important is sound fiscal leadership. Those were the words you used, am I right? Leadership, leadership. Okay, okay. And I just want to say, having been around the block many, many, many years, that sound fiscal leadership is what you've got here. Um, Time. You know, oops, okay. Well, that's what I want to say. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, this is Chris Flowers, and I don't want you to defund animal control. I, I think you should fully fund the Humane Society. And one of the ways we could be fund, finding ways to fund the stuff we really need is stop funding the stuff we don't. And my my first thing on that list is get rid of our drug dogs. Uh, we don't need to be risking animals' lives just over drugs. I mean, the war on drugs is a failed experiment. And we j we need to do like stop funding it. So get rid of uh, the drug dogs. Um, let's see. Let's also remove cops from schools. That that could reduce some of the amount of money we're paying into the police department. Um, 
quit to quit participating in task forces that go after college students drinking and using fake IDs. How much are we spending there? I saw, I think, I saw a few days ago on social media that they're going to be doing another one of those. Um, oh, reducing police overtime. I mean, police saturations. Like when we saturate the police at night, does that lead to overtime? And also those police saturations, I think someone, some expert was here a few weeks ago and he said that different groups can have different driving patterns. And if we're only saturating the police at night, I, I think that's kind of inequitable. Um, let's see, also another way we could be reducing funding stuff we don't need is stop, let's reduce some of the funding to corporate welfare. Um, like stuff like Explore Lawrence. I, I don't think we need to be funding as much as we do there. Um, then some other ideas I had is I, I think we are reducing some of the money we spend on like flowers and stuff by replacing them with native plants. Why don't we go all the way? And if some, if like a private business or a citizens wants like a flower bed to be more colorful, colorful, maybe they could spend the money themselves and we like, we will plant the flowers, but they, they pay for the upgrade. Um, what about raising money through street names? Like I, I've suggested this before. What if we had a raffle for when there's a new street and if you win it, you get to name it. I, I, I do think people would be willing to pay for the opportunity to name a street. Um, some towns, they, they allow advertising on their water towers. Um, so I, I don't know. Those are just some ideas I had. And, and also if, if any of you next summer are going to try to be portraying yourself as a progressive, I think a progressive thing is to reduce police funding. Thank you. Hello, my name is Megan and I work at the Lawrence Humane Society in the medical clinic. Um, today and yesterday, we performed 45 surgeries on our animals in the shelter as we're preparing for Clear the Shelter event this Saturday. Um, and on top of doing all those surgeries, we also are helping um, intake injured and really sick stray animals as well as our crisis pet retention animals. Right now, um, this morning, we had about eight animals in our ICU kennels that need eyes on them during the day. So that's why they're with us. Um, and we're able to do that because of the new building that we received with a lot of help from the city. And this new building allows us to isolate a lot of really sick animals, um, including ringworm, which is extremely popular this summer, and parvo, which can be popular with our puppy population. In previous years, without this isolation, these animals would have just been euthanized. Um, and as of this week, we just cleared about 14 puppies of Parvo. We fixed nine of them today. And they're going to be available on Saturday. With so with that, I don't think that now is the time to stop that support from the city. That new building allowed us to save a lot of new animals and even be creative with how we save them. Stray animals and really, really sick animals that come in, um, we're able to help them in 
not immediately go to that choice of, I think that we need to euthanize this animal. We're able to give them everything that we absolutely can. And I think that if we were to have a budget cut where we don't even have the chance to have an opportunity to talk about what can we do to at least try something before we go to that choice of euthanasia. Um, this new building and this new um, idea of being able to isolate illness and injury, I think has allowed us to build something really great in our shelter. It's allowed us to be great in the way that we help animals. And I think that we need to continue to be great and you guys need to help us continue to be great. Um, I think if we were to lose a lot of funding, it would be devastating to the staff to lose that conversation of how can we help this animal and just move to euthanasia. For staff, that would be an incredibly difficult hurdle to cross. And then in the words of one of my coworkers, the way that a person cares about their animal says a lot about their character and the way that a community cares about their animals says a lot about their character as well. So thank you guys for hearing us out. Good evening, Madam Mayor and City Commissioners. My name is Sherry Pig, and I've been a volunteer at the shelter for five or six years. I'm not here with a bunch of statistics. I'm only here to ask that you not decrease the shelter's budget. I've lived in Lawrence since 1976, and I've always considered the city as a city that cares for its companion animals. When a pet is lost, neighbors help look for it. When a stray animal is found, people will take it in, take it to the shelter, give it to animal control. The shelter is always there, ready to help with whatever happens. They welcome animals from animal control. They take in surrenders from citizens and even baskets of kittens that are left outside the building with no one to take care of them. They even clear up all kinds of hoarding situations and take in sometimes a large number of animals that are in very poor condition and require a lot of money to make healthy. When you drive through our neighborhoods, you don't see stray animals roaming around. Animals who could get hit and killed or injured in fights or succumb to illness. We don't want Lawrence to be a city like that. My request to you tonight again is that you do not cut the $35,000 from the Humane Society's budget. Thank you very much. Linda Wheeler. Um, different topic for me. Um, I do support keeping the money in the Humane Society budget. Back in the early 80s, for two years, I actually ran the Humane Society. I was the director of the Humane Society at that time. We did not have a very big budget. It was, the city's part was 100,000 and grants weren't there. There just was not a lot of money. I can attest to the stress and how hard it was on everybody when they had to take and put all those animals to sleep that were sick and seriously injured. It 
resulted in huge staff turnover. It was just emotionally draining, not only on the staff, but on the veterinarians in Lawrence that worked with the staff. I am absolutely amazed at what the Humane Society has done with how little that budget has increased since 1980. So I can attest that I have witnessed that they are wonderful stewards of the money the city is providing them. And as a taxpayer, I am happy to see my part of that go to them. Thank you. Uh, good evening. My name is Willem Anamat. Uh, I'm president of DAR Corporation. I lived in Lawrence for about uh, 33 years, and I want to speak in favor of keeping the budget intact for the Humane Society. Uh, I have, together with my wife and my company, uh, donated to the Humane Society for many years. And I know that cutting their budget will have some dire consequences for their operations. I've emailed to you last week. I hope you read the email with some suggestions in there and some uh, some items. Uh, and, and one of the things we heard tonight about some tax increases and how it affects people is actually what I want to talk about a little bit here. So making up the shortfall with new donations, which is what I expect uh, was the reason for this cut, uh, it will be tedious at best. And with all the increases in, in uh, property taxes, potential utility rate increases, high inflation, insurance increases, the citizens of Lawrence only have so much discretionary money to spend on charities and uh, outfits like the Humane Society. So this will mean this, this year and coming year probably the Humane Society will see possibly uh, uh, a cut in money coming in from donations anyway. So this will uh, have a, an extra detrimental effect uh, on their, their budget. All animals in Lawrence need your help and cannot speak for themselves, so we are. It's very beneficial for Lawrence, as you heard from the other speakers, to have a fully funded humane society. I would strongly recommend you look into other cuts or other forms of obtaining revenue to make up the shortage for the Humane Society. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Commissioners. Uh, my name is Thad Holcomb. I'm the moderator for Lettuce, the uh, Lawrence Ecology Team United for Sustainability. Uh, just a little bit of history because I think most of you are aware, but maybe not everybody here is. Uh, let us begin about nine years ago, maybe 10. A group of nine different faith communities at this point have come together, a Muslim, a Unitarian, a Roman Catholic, Protestant, uh, Zen Buddhist, Jewish communities have come together and had conversations, these green teams, and they wanted to somehow come up, go about and puncture the idea that faith traditions really just deal with the spiritual in terms of kind of out there. But really the concrete aspect of who we are has to do with the earth and with its sacredness and respect for it. So we were involved in the conversations with the planning commission probably what three four years ago when they were developing the 2040 comprehensive plan great conversations we asked that the earth care issue of environment which was about sixth rank could be moved up to the top well it made it to second place because we granted there needs to be growth guidance in this city 
but it can be done with sustainability because the past has proven to be in a way a problem as we can see with climate change and disruption. To have growth for growth sake is a problem. So we are opposing the Walker Roos extension. One may say, well, it's minor. It's not, it's major. It destroys, if we're done, the riparian area, which is so important for biodiversity. It increases the water pollution that goes into the river. It increases the possibility of development, expanding development, instead of being tight, as you have said, or less, the city has said it wants to be guided by the 2040 comprehensive plan, which says we need infill, not, not going out and beyond ourselves. And of course, the letter that you received from the Multimotor Commission really says it better than me. You know, the chairman of that said specifically, they want to suggest that the city not fund it. Now, possibly, I know KDOT was involved in that. There's even a larger problem that's maybe going to loom because we didn't know about the battery factory and all that's coming in now. That planning was done before that was came on. So KDOT tries to plan ahead. But at the same time, I really ask you to consider the guidelines that have been agreed on by the uh, uh, comprehensive plan in which the city has agreed to uh, follow as well. And that is respect sustainable development. Uh, our goal is to try to heal and defend the best we can the earth. And that includes the animals. That includes I'm all. And so we ask you, if you will, to consider that. Thank you much for your time. Thank you. Hi, my name is Beth Chow. I'm not a public speaker, so I'm really anxious here. Um, I wanted to talk about the Lawrence Humane Society and what it's meant in my life, and to ask you to please not cut the budget. Um, I, there are so many things that have been important to me with the Lawrence Humane Society. The first memory I have is like when my daughter was a Girl Scout and um, the service projects and things that they did with the Humane Society, which helped teach the girls responsibility and care for each other and the animals. Um, a big part and where I might start crying is when my mom was dying of cancer. Um, there was a dog that we had adopted that helped get me through that process. And um, it just meant so much. I had a five-month-old daughter. When my daughter um, was five months old, my mom died of cancer. And having that dog that came from the Lawrence Humane Society and all the care and love that dog had gotten as a stray when she was taken in, um, that just meant the world to me and helped me get through that. And when that dog got old and died at age 16, um, the Lawrence Humane Society was there for me again because it, there was so much grief and my dad was sick and, and they helped me find a grief support group to help me through that process. It was a, a grief support group for losing animals, but it helped me with all the other grief in my life as well. Um, and as far as like family members, family members, those dogs have been my family members through these years. And the work I do as a social worker, I see every day what the Lawrence Humane Society does for the people of this community. Victims of domestic violence get help with temporary help with keeping their animals um, so that they don't lose everything when they're trying to get save their own lives. Um, it helps keep families together. 
people who um, don't have a lot of money, who have had, you know, their whatever bills increase and the changes in their lives with disability and mental health crises um, can get dog food and other cat food too. I focus on dogs because I'm a dog person, but all the animals in our lives and can keep their animals. It just, it means so much. Um, also the veterinary care and the microchip program is amazing. That also helps with keeping strays um, wandering our streets because we found a stray dog after the 4th of July one year and we're able to take him in. He was microchipped and he got home fast because of the Lawrence Humane Society and the programs that they have. So I ask you to please not cut their funding and to find, I don't know where, it is a hard job you guys have. It is hard balancing all of this. I want to acknowledge that for everybody, um, but to to not cut this program. Thank you. Thank you. Hold on a second. Let's let some of this noise settle down. Thank you. I'm sorry you were Thank interrupted you, somewhat. It's okay. Hold on. Let me please. Let's <laughs> the speaker. The speaker. Okay, some music. <laughs> I apologize, ma'am. Oh, I, I, I was just I got on a roll and got through it. So, <laughs> somebody's phone? Yeah, she couldn't hear it. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, let Let me also say, everyone. Um, there's no way for you to know this, but there is a magical spot right over here where if you say something and even whisper it, it's like you're standing right next to us. So pretty pleased with sugar on top. Let's try to keep our comments till we're done here. I know that it's going to be a long time. We have more people than her to speak. Um, so please, everybody. Um, thank you again. Thank you. Hello. John Hanley, Chairman of the Board, Lawrence Humane Society. Uh, I don't know about, about you all, but I'm always humbled, and so is the rest of the board, when we hear from the Lawrence Humane team, especially when we hear from staff members, especially from when we hear from shelter supporters that we've made a difference in um, over the years. It's, it's truly, truly humbling work, and, and we're grateful for all they do. I would simply ask that you fund Lawrence Humane Society at the level specified in our contract, um, for for the the year the contract that's that's up for discussion here, and I think what's awesome about the strategic plan that you've all undertook and the budgeting process that we're all going through now, is that you get to decide from hearing from all community members, uh, from all walks of our community in Lawrence, what type of community we want to be, and I would suggest that that type of community includes a shelter that is best in class nationally and goes above and beyond being stewards of our taxpayers' money and making a difference for animals, just like mine. I don't do this to be gratifying to myself, but I think we need to show. Uh, one of the reasons we're all here today is, is graduates of Lawrence Humane Society, just like all of our pets, just like all of yours. And it's why these folks do what they do and, and why Lawrence Humane makes a difference in the community. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your service. And thanks to all of our team, the board, and, and our supporters as well. Hello again, my name is Jason Duvall. Um, before I moved up here, I was temporarily living for many years uh, in a town called Borger, Texas. Uh, Borger, Texas was bad for many reasons, most of which were environmental. Uh, in Borger, Texas, they had basically no provisions for protecting the environment or the animals that lived there. And there was constantly sick animals in the street. 
It was not an uncommon occurrence to find a dead animal on the side of the road once every day. And even if they weren't dead, they were being polluted by the environment. So I care a lot about the environment. I care a lot about animals. That's the reason why I moved up here to Lawrence. My dad lives over in Tonganoxie, so I knew I liked the place. And I just wanted to say that uh, the Wakarusa extension plan, while not necessarily inherently bad, needs to be heavily considered before it's moved forward with because that's right next to a lot of the wetlands and that could have a severe economic and uh, not economic uh yeah economic sorry no ecological impact uh so that would need to be contemplated uh furthermore about the environment the prairie county nature center uh I saw that it had been proposed to be closed. And I want to say, while it's no longer being proposed to be closed, I find that attitude not good because a lot of the appeal of Lawrence is how well like nature is treated here. And that center is in a good, good place for doing that. And is in fact, one of the first places that I visited upon moving up here. And as for the Humane Society, they are one of the best in the country. I am online often, and before I ever moved up here, I had seen praise for the Humane Society just <laughs> scattered across the internet, the Lawrence Humane Society. And when we first moved up here, uh, I had left Borger in a hurry because I hated it. I'd actually made myself temporarily homeless before moving in with my dad. And while temporarily homeless, the Humane Society was able to help me take care of the two cats that we brought with us. And they provide an essential service, in my opinion. And I'm honestly shocked that the budget is as low as it is. I thought they were getting paid more than they are. They actually are. They deserve what they are getting, uh, what they are, what's being budgeted, if not more. So they don't deserve to have a cut. Thank you. My name is Steve Cadu, I'm 628 Forest Avenue. Uh, I'd like to bring uh, the recognition that uh, Haskell Indonesian University started class this past Monday. This past Monday, <clears throat> and I have spoken here to the commission uh, about the Wakarusa extension uh, uh, plan. Uh, Haskell is attended, as they have always been, by Native American uh, uh, students from throughout the United States. <clears throat> And a great part of their environmental science education will be the study in, uh, of, uh, of uh, the environment. And in fact, uh, the Haskell wetlands is used for a, uh, a lot for field study. So uh, I would just like to remind, and I will continually remind the city commission that uh, that they should uh, that they that they should uh, 
always consider and recognize in in the in development planning uh, even in fact maybe in the strategic plan maybe a memorandum of understanding between the city commission and haskell indian nation university that uh, that any development plans uh, uh, there should be there should be meaningful consultation with the the, the uh, administrators and include, including the students of Haskell Indian Nation University, and uh, I, I I I think the recommendation, as I understand it, that the Wakarusa development plan is is uh, is hopefully not to go forward or certainly it will require a lot of more environmental impact statement uh, 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 studies. So, but I would just like to remind the commission that Haskell Indian Nation University did start the, the classes this past Monday and uh, uh, and as you as you know, you're you're always invited to uh, attend Haskell events, and uh, the students would be honored and 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 feel proud that the city of Lawrence uh, recognizes their uh, their presence in the in the community. And uh, uh, I thank you for this. Uh, thank you for this uh, presentation. Thank you, Steve. Excuse me, I'm a little nervous. Uh, my name is Josephine, and I wanted to talk about the Humane Society and how much that they really mean to us. Uh, I'm from a town to where if you do have sick animals, it's hard to get care for them. I remember being young and I would occasionally find kittens in the bushes and I would go to try to get them help and I was always denied that. So I love the fact that I can actually get those stray animals help immediately and I don't have to keep them with me at my house waiting for them to die because I have nowhere to give them to. I love the fact that when we came down here, uh, we had found two kittens, my boyfriend specifically, one had a broken leg, the other one, I'm not sure exactly where we found her, but we were able to call in and they were able to get help and that just means so much to me to be part of a community that actually cares for their animals and the rights and their health. And I don't want anybody to be traumatized that they can't bring in their animals for help and assistance. Please do not cut the budget for the Humane Society. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lindsay Ressler. I'm a registered voter and I have three Lawrence Humane rescues at my house. I would like more, but my husband says that's enough. Um, and I'm also one of the newer board members at Lawrence Humane. Um, 
you heard earlier tonight how we've been paid the same for four years as our costs go up and we've not asked the city to kick back onto that. I just wanna reiterate that. Um, I know probably one of your most difficult jobs is the budget and it's the same for us. We don't have any wiggle room. There's no fluff in our budget. There's nowhere where we can cut. This is going on as my 13th year volunteering and fundraising for the Humane Society. I can tell you, we leave no stone unturned. We exhaust every avenue. There's just, there's only a finite amount that we can fundraise in a year. Fewer organizations are better stewards of the money that the city gives to us and that we receive through private foundations. So I'm asking that the funding for 2023 be restored and that we can work with the city going forward to set a budget that's agreeable to everyone. Thank you. Uh, I had not planned on speaking this evening. Uh, this is a little impromptu, so I apologize if I get emotional here. Uh, my name is Alex Stouffer. I'm a foster and volunteer for the Humane Society since 2018. Uh, at the time that my wife and I decided to start fostering, uh, this was after a difficult decision that children weren't in our future. So we leapt headfirst into this. Why not? Can't have kids, might as well have dogs. So got a little crazy, you know. Uh, what started as one is... There's nine in my house right now, I think. I, I don't even know. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, I probably wouldn't be here speaking to you if it weren't for the programs uh, that the Humane Society has, has put in place. Depression is a hell of a thing. <laughs> and it catches up to a lot of us. And uh, being on the side that I'm on now, uh, being involved and, and having the resources to help these animals out, having a home, uh, having space to stretch out and being fortunate with my finances to, to be able to allow these animals in my home. I've seen the other side of it. It's, it's brutal. <laughs> these folks are making terrible, terrible, difficult decisions about whether they're gonna feed themselves or their animals. And this organization stepped up and the progressive ideas that they put forward in the last few years just, just can't be can't be understated. It's just, it's brilliant. It's, it's not something that you're going to see at organizations around the country. This, this isn't a normal animal rescue organization. This is far beyond even what you see in larger cities. So I can't speak to the numbers and I, and I don't envy the position that any of you are in. Uh, but I can say from a personal level that my commitment to my community has never been stronger because of this organization. Um, because of my involvement with them, I have been led to be involved with a number of other organizations that we have just a, a wealth of here in our community. And, and you can name them all off, Just Food and, and all these incredible food banks and all these incredible resources. It's, it's truly amazing to live here, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have arrived at, at that level of involvement if it weren't for Lawrence Humane. So uh, I just wanted to give you a face to, to what that means. And, uh, you know, leadership in the last several years has really stepped up. And if Lawrence is, is to be the progressive community that we claim to be, we will fully fund this Humane Society. And, and I thank you for your time.
Hello, my name is Ray Zhao. Um, I just want to piggyback on some of the comments made here tonight. One lady said a community of person's characters define how they treat the animal. I cannot agree more than that. I mean, I strongly agree with that. I come from the country that's uh, not treating animal very well. And I have personal experience. And when I come to Lawrence and real, find the human society, and I was, it's a life-changing event for me. See how they take care of animals. And you guys heard my wife talking about earlier, how the human society helped us as a family. And every time I walk the dog, people ask, oh, where'd you get that dog? I was so proud to say I adopt this dog. And then we're talking, oh yeah, I adopt this dog from human society. So everybody's so proud that they are related to human society. Um, another thing I want to say is, I may be wrong, but based on reading the newspaper and the article, you guys using the COVID relief fund, APRA, to balance the budget for $35,000. Can you use some of that money to balance the budget to help human society? Uh, I may be wrong that I'm an engineer. I know how hard you guys work to balance the budget. It's not easy job. I think you guys are doing a great job. I'm just here to hope you guys can find anything from the budget that we're using to using the COVID release fund to help human society. Thank you so much. Short person again. <laughs> so I haven't been here to speak to you guys since 2018. Lisa's the only one at that time that would have been here. And that was when the community cap program and the last changing of the laws came about. It takes a lot to get me to come up and speak. I'm an independent rescuer. I try to keep animals out of the humane society. I know they're overwhelmed. I spend a lot of money out of pocket. Luckily, these people have been here to support me when I do need it. There are some services I can't provide. There's a limit on animals now that was changed in the laws in 2018, so I can't take any more in. I took the ones before that before they got their new building and how wonderful this shelter was that would have been euthanized. They live with me. I've got the diabetic animals. I had the animals that were dying of cancer. I have blind cats. Those would have been put down before. Yeah, you know, there's a small group of us in Lawrence that go around trying to do rescues. Our animal control is pitiful in this town. We spoke about that in 2018. There were many of us that came up on the limited hours. They really aren't animal lovers. So there are people like me that have stepped up, spent New Year's Eve 2017 and 2018 out in single digit temperatures, saving a dog that was abandoned so he didn't die. I couldn't get him after spending two hours out. And luckily there's a small community of us where we all came out and we saved that dog. Thanks, but people like me are rare. We depend on them. We depend on what little animal control that we have. I know that you're new as far as city manager and you may not quite get what Lawrence is about. This is a progressive city and we care about our people. We care about our community and our animals. The animals are part of this community and thanks do not cut this budget. I, I please beg you, go in and spend one day doing what these people do, please. And then rethink what you're trying to do. My niece works in New Orleans with an animal shelter. 
you don't want to see what underfunded shelters look like and how bad it is. And then she crawls under buildings trying to save animals. They're putting parvo down, you know, puppies down left and right. Entire litters of kittens come in with ringworm. They're killed. Things like I've been in there. I've seen what she deals with. You don't want to start reducing us to that kind of level. We are so fortunate to have the staff. I appreciate these people so much. Please, please fund them. Thank you. Any more public comment live in, in person in the room? Let's see if there's anyone online. If there is anyone, raise your virtual hand. Daniel Hernandez. Hi, sorry. Um, my camera doesn't work, so I'm just going to speak. I, I'd like to speak in support of the Lawrence Humane Society. Um, I think ethically, if we're just considering the ethics of the situation, to fund them in the levels that they're expecting and to not make this cut is an obvious thing to do, so I won't talk about that. What I would like to say is that, um, and it's been said by many people here, that the Lawrence Humane Society to me is an outsider, but somebody who's involved and donates to them and has interacted with them quite often. They seem to be an extremely efficiently um, run organization. They're organized, they do a fantastic job. So even just from a pure economics perspective of talking about investment, I mean, this money I think is going to a place that is using it to the best of their ability. There's very little waste. It's just very well done. Um, in terms of impact on the community, I'll say they're pretty incredible. I've lived in many cities in my life. Uh, Lawrence Humane has come um, when my wife and I have been out for a walk and seen stray dogs around. We place a call to them, they come pretty quick, they take care of the dogs, they reunite them with uh, their family members and they've done this multiple times. So um, again, I think this is just an extremely efficiently well-run organization. Um, I don't think that in terms of bang for your buck, you could do much better than continuing to fund Lawrence Humane Society at the current levels. Thank you. Melinda Ball. Hello, uh, Melinda Ball. I am a 20-year resident of Lawrence, also a homeowner, taxpayer, and also a recent uh, Lawrence Humane Society foster. I have a dog right now in my care. Um, I don't want to extend too much than what we already have gone. I support a lot of what people have already said in regards to opposing the $35,000 budget cut to the Lawrence Humane Society. I find that it is a vital, uh, essential part of the community. It's also a public safety uh, issue. If you were to cut it, um, it just serves a, a very essential role for the community um, and the animals as part of our community. I also want to add that I also oppose the Wakarusa extension, just as animals are a vital part of our community, so is the environment. And so I would just like to add that. Thank you so much for all you do and your time. Is there any other public comment online? That's it, Mayor. Okay. Let's go ahead and bring it back to the commission. Oh, before I say that, um, that ends the public hearing, though the public hearing is closed.
uh, any comments or further questions from commissioners? So my understanding is that what we're looking at right now is not a vote, but just guidance that, that staff wants. Is that correct regarding some policy questions? That's correct. The uh, two policy questions that we posited uh, earlier is what we're looking for uh, guidance on with the passage of resolution 7445. Uh, we, are, we are exceeding the revenue neutral rate. So the question now is, um, would you like to hold the, the mill levy uh, flat, meaning that the city would reduce its portion of the levy 0 0.077 um, and increase the library that same amount? Or would you like to keep the city's portion of the levy flat, at which point we would increase revenue about $99,000 and um, you would have that, that funding available for projects or we could use that to lower the um, reliance on the ARPA funding. This is Commissioner Sellers. I had a couple of uh, questions. I don't know if Dave is, uh, <coughs> Dave Cronin is still on. We may have lost him. Nope, he's here. Um, in regards to the South Lawrence Trafficway uh, project, I know when we had some initial discussions, um, May-ish, June-ish, um, we voted to approve the letter recommending <laughs> that we move forward with this. But we have, to my knowledge, we haven't started any planning or design pieces with that. Is that, am I to understand that to be correct? Yes, is Dave Cronin, the engineer. We have not started any design or planning pieces with the Walker's extension south. The, just so everyone's uh, understands and is clear, the other pieces that are included on the city's uh, participation, Wakarusa to the north and the improvements to East 900 Road, those are included in KDOT's plans. And so those will be in the plans regardless. Um, but the Wakarusa is specific to Wakarusa Extension South. Um, no, Commissioner, we have not. Okay. Done anything. And then again, I know we've discussed, you know, you know, my familiarity with the area because we have, you know, YSC and that land being owned by the Army Corps of Engineers and where the extension would lead to 1200 Road. Now, I know that area to be a floodplain, but it, but I only know it to be a floodplain. I don't know it to be a wetland. Is that correct or in my understanding? Or is it is it included as a wetland in addition to being a floodplain area? Yes, is Dave Cronin again. There are no known mapped wetlands in the area um, based off the U.S. Fish and Wildlife uh, Service uh, uh, mapping. Um, now, we would need to do some further review. There could potentially be some existing man-made wetlands close to in 1200 Road where we tie in. Um, but there, you know, at this point, you know, there's nothing that says that we are, would be impacting any wetlands. So that would be something that we would review with design. Um, and then we would obviously need to get some 
uh, permits from the Corps of Engineers, the Division of Water Resources that also look at um, uh, impacts to crossing uh, the river and, and to any wetlands if there were any. So um, that is something that we would need to go through with the design process and permitting uh, when we proceed with the project. Okay. Um, as far as the flood plain, um, it is in the protected by levee floodway because uh, the Clinton Lake uh, Dam is there. So it's basically protected by levee. Um, other than that, it's not in the in the floodway. The the, the river uh, is the outfall, which is the Wapurusa River, is but we the uh, bridge would need to clear the river and uh, with no impacts to uh, water surface level. So there would be um, you know obviously we'd we need to be sensitive to to uh, to the uh, to the crossing the river, but outside of the river crossing, it is uh, primarily farm ground. Okay, thank you, David. Um, quick whiplash. Um, this might be a question for Jeremy and or Parks and Rec. Um, I was looking under the unfunded, uh, but evaluating for potential grant opportunities. That first project, um, PR-28-2414, downtown event space near library. So the items, am I to understand that the items that are listed under this as unfunded, but evaluating for grant opportunities, are we using grant opportunities to be all inclusive of federal as well as private grants or is, are we looking at these are potential product projects that could be funded by federal dollars only? Um, it's not just restricted to federal dollars, um, but these are the projects that were identified by the Ferguson group as uh, potentially fundable <laughs> through the programs with both the federal government and the state that they're seeing. Um, okay. So the, this is essentially the prioritization order of how we're going to um, approach any projects um, and you know all you can do is ask so we'll uh, make application and <coughs> the hope is that should any of these projects actually be funded through grants uh, we would then move them through a CIP amendment from the unfunded list to the funded list with that um, potential grant funding okay but in terms of private donations uh, or any kind of a, a private um, chair, uh, you know, charitable contribution type of uh, setup. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll, if we're alerted to that, we'll certainly uh, right. look into it, but those are really earmarked more for 501c3 nonprofit situations, not necessarily government. Okay, I wanted to ask, and I'm gonna put a pin in, pin in this and circle back to it. Um, so just stay tuned. Um, in regards to the, to the two uh, questions that you had, um, I'll come back to two for one, Jeremy. Um, I would be in agreement for leaving um, the city's portion flat and wrote in um, sliding that other piece over to the um, library. So just to make a note of that. Um, there was a gentleman who brought up a question. I know this is for the commission as well as um, Craig, you can um, 
add some context to it as well to the gentleman that brought up in regards to the $35,000 deficit, $35, deficit for the Humane Society and why wouldn't the ARPA dollars be an option for that? Is there a reason to, for the commission to believe that those dollars are not available to fill that gap or is there something that we would be missing in that conversation? Uh, well, that's that's the same as all of our gap funding. This is replacement revenue. Right. So we, if you if you put the thirty five into that, then we would draw down the ARPA money thirty five thousand dollars more, um, much like we did with the Prairie Park restoration. That's that's coming out of that. Right. So that that number gets bigger that we have to use. Thus, the um, the roughly $8 million that we have to, we'll drop some to more. do would reduce by 35. <laughs> okay. if, if I could also add, um, those being one-time dollars would mean that uh, we would either have to find additional revenue or additional cuts in 2024. Um, so the proverbial kicking of the can is right. uh, what we were trying to um, really constrain and um, convert the ARPA from revenue recovery to projects so that the general fund can be self-sustaining um, in 2024, hopefully, rather than 2025 or 2026. So um, these are all just considerations that, you know, um, any, any uh, one-time revenues that are used for ongoing operations just creates a problem down the road. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Is um, is Derek on? Derek Rogers. I thought I saw him we're, earlier. We're all available to answer questions. Okay. Well, I. I, I didn't want to get too much into the budget and switching some projects, but I, the reason why I brought up PR 2824-14, um, because I was looking at PR 262606, um, which is the um, large park shelter, and I was wanting to at least entertain the um, with the rest of the commissioners, the governing body, um, possibly switching that out for 284 2414, which was the downtown event space. I know I was doing some side-by-sides uh, with the um, priority-based budgeting score and just looking at the narrative, looking at the, um, the narrative for the projects and um, just wanted to have a discussion about switching it out. I know it's a lower funded uh, piece, but looking at the narratives, I felt like this would be a project that would be more value add, um, would have a little bit higher value add um, than the large park shelter. But then I noticed, you know, noticing that the um, project was also on, on the unfunded, but grant piece is the reason why I asked the question um, if the Ferguson group felt that they felt pretty confident that there could be some funding um, available for that. So um, with Jeremy's response, it may be a moot issue, um, but at least wanted to post that suggestion of um, switching those out for, for funded um, CIP projects, uh, switching out 2606 for 282414. But other than that, I don't have anything else. Um, 
I had a follow up uh, to Commissioner Seller's question around Wakarusa, and if uh, it <coughs> pop back in, um, if just a little reminder, I guess, of why the the idea for the road was conceived and and the idea behind it, um, uh, the south portion of the road. Because um, I think, I believe, or in an earlier discussion, it was related to the fact that the only other road out there was the dam road. And um, and since the extension on Castle had been closed. So I just wanted to make sure to go ahead and clarify that. Yeah, Dave Cronin, city engineer. Um, so you're, you're correct, um, Commissioner. The um, When Castle was closed in 2018, um, that really um press forward the need to, to uh move forward with constructing walkers to, to the south that that's a extension that's been in the city's long-range transportation plan um for about 25 years so back back to transportation 2020 2030 and now 2040. Um, um to clarify the concern about building the road for development it's really not being built for development um, it's being built to restore uh, access um, to uh, to the county, between the county and the city. Um, the, the traffic projection um, that was done indicates that, that opening day uh, when the interchange is built and if the road's extended, the traffic volume would be uh, about 3,600 vehicles per day. Um, and so um, those vehicles would then need to either uh, route east to Iowa or or use the park roads, the Clinton Park Dam or the, or the dam below or the road below the dam, which are both park roads. And so um, it really wouldn't be appropriate to route traffic over the dam or the park road. Those are really for recreational um, uh, trips and are used by pedestrians and bicyclists and park users and, and not not a thoroughfare for traffic. So it really is, um, you know, something that uh, it was put in the CIP again because of uh, the castle's closure. Um, so it's kind of, you know, really accelerated the need for it. And it would be the one uh, major north-south road across the river west of Iowa. So, um, you know, for those reasons, I think it's important that we uh, consider moving forward with a project, but also be very um, cautious and listen to uh, the concerns about the environmental concerns as we move forward. So um, hopefully that answers your question. Yes. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Dave, when does Planning Commission see this? <coughs> or CIP list? Have they seen it already? <coughs> I'm going to defer to Jeff on that when they receive the CIP because I know that's part of the process. Good evening, Commissioners. Jeff Craig, Planning and Development Services. They will see this tomorrow night as part of their agenda. Okay, thank you. <coughs> um, which, by the way, also with Commissioner Sellers, I, I would, you know, um, I would approve and be in favor of just keeping um, our current military flat, but and uh, you know, adding the library on on the top. So, <coughs> so 
So, so you want to keep the mill of it as it is now, but add that um, 0 0.077? Yes, because as you eloquently <laughs> said before, yeah. if we don't, then it would be essentially part of our budget in the future. Yeah. Okay. Just one more question. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, what's our other question for Jeremy? <coughs> Anything to the budget that we want him to take a look at? Um, to do an easy one, um, since their contract goes through 2023, I don't see any reason we shouldn't make good on it. Um, it's not we understand where that money is coming from at this point. Um, but that I believe gives us a year of uh, hopefully good faith, um, positive partnership with them to um, look at things a little bit differently with our contract. Just to answer that one off the top, unless anyone disagrees. So our, con our contract goes through society. Yeah, okay. Fully fund them for the year that okay. we agreed to fully okay. fund them. Okay. Or fund them okay. for the year we agreed to okay. fully to fund them 2023. Okay. I had a, let me talk. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, so my understanding is we got the contract is through 2023. Did that include funding in that contract? Uh, Jeremy Willis, so all of these contracts um, have a budget provision. So um, the the agreement essentially says that what you put into the budget uh, is what the um, what the city will pay. So there's no do dollar amount stipulated. No, there. I mean, there's a dollar amount in the agreement, but uh, all, the all agreements in Kansas have to have the, the budget basis and the cash basis rules, and so this agreement would. Um, comply to that as well. So if the budget were lowered, then we obviously could not provide funding that wasn't put into the budget. That's kind of what I was understanding your very beginning statement, Commissioner Sellers, to be about the three-year contract. Did I misunderstand your point? No. <laughs> My question was because I wasn't, I could not remember if they had a, it was, it was an annual or a three year. And if in the three year were, if what we were reading, if we, what we were discussing today with the budget would be reflected upon renegotiations of their budget. So I was thinking that this could pretell future contract agreements. So that was where my question was going. More for, personal clarity less for anything else other than that. So I would ask that um, or comment that if we keep the budget mill levy flat, add on the 0 0.077, that would give $99,000. Is that my understanding? Could that money be used for the Humane Society? Jeremy Willett, um, yes. That that uh, 99,000 is not in the, the budget now. So if we add it to the budget, 
um, you're free to appropriate that as you see fit, um, or we could use it to reduce the reliance on the um, ARPA funds, or it could be a combination of all, all those. Just note that's recurring revenue too. Assuming assuming you keep this yeah. in place, it's recurring, yeah. whereas ARPA is not. And we could allocate the rest of that back to ARPA, 35 minus whatever, 99. That would be the, the effect. Okay. Well, if we could do that, yeah. <laughs> So are you wanting to use a portion of the 99,000 to give to the Lord's Humane Society and do what with the rest? If there's enough interest by the commission to do the mill levy that way, that's what I guess the first question would be. Right. Yeah. But if there is, what are you wanting to, what are you yeah, suggesting we do say with the we rest? could use 35,000 for the Humane Society and the rest of it go back to ARPA to punch back into ARPA. But not to the library. No, the library is going to get those. Yeah. The library gets that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it would just be on top of that because, you know, we don't want to carry the library's salaries for in perpetuity. I mean, that's just reasonable. And I don't think we have authority not to give the library their their um, allocation of mill levy, even if we wanted to. We went through that a few years ago, remember? Yeah, we have to give it to them. That was one of the best examples of public comment I've ever seen in my years of watching. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted clarification because I know that was a pretty hot topic. <laughs> so it's whether there's interest in other commissioners to do that. I would be in favor of that provided, you know, the other commissioners would think it would be prudent to... Um, keep our mill levy flat, but then add the 0.77 on top, which would, or 0.0, yeah, <laughs> sorry, uh, on top, which would produce the extra 99,000, which we could then portion off for the Lawrence Humane Society to make up the difference. Does that make sense to everybody? Commissioner? Uh, I don't think. <laughs> huh? I want to keep the mill levy flat, but I hear what you're saying. You're making good arguments, but uh, I, I, I think it's a bad precedent to raise the mill levy at a time like this, even if it's 0.077. But I mean, I hear what you're saying, but um, I don't think I'd support that. But, um, you know, so that's my thought. You mean ours, not the library, right? <laughs> Just make sure I understood me. What? Well, it's actually the library that's raising the mill levy, not the no, city. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear what you're saying. I just. <coughs> okay. What do we have consensus for? Trying to cobble together what everyone's saying here. Do you, do you care about whether the well yeah you already said it, okay so that's three no it's just with the the ninety nine I I can see it's using a portion of it for <laughs> I 
adding that to it to see what it looks like. I don't know. I guess I'm not. I'm not at a point. I'm not in a position tonight to make a decision on what to do with the rest. What we should do with the rest, or. But I'm not opposed to. Using that piece, I would have preferred to use the ARPA funds. Um, so that we could have kept that slot, but I don't know. I may have a decision here in a couple of minutes. I'm sure. still, pro <laughs> yeah. still processing. Well, I'm, I am concerned that we have too often used that ARPA fund for budget, budget gaps I'm that are. We've been using it for budget gaps for our. Can I, can I finish, please? Oh, I was just, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I've been concerned that we've been using it too frequently, I think, to fill uh, long, ongoing budget gaps with one-time money. And all that does is just kick the can down the road and puts much more pressure on future budgets. I think we need to kind of get off that track. I really do. <laughs> Um, maybe while you cogitate, um, I did not print what the new description of the MS two two zero zero two nine was. Um, so I don't, I don't, I can't pull it up fast enough to check what it says now. Um, someone in the audience was bringing up what it does, what it may or may not include. And I'm a little interested in clear, being clear about that. <laughs> Sorry, Mary, could you repeat that number? I... That might be for Dave. Um, since we changed the description of the CIP project item 220029 on the South Lawrence Traffic Way. I have it here. I don't know if you'll be able to read it, unfortunately, but we can. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is that legible? Yeah. Oh, wait, that's not the right one. No. That's not the it's right one. for 29, not <coughs> 221. 220029. Okay. Sorry about that. There you go. Okay. Um, oh, how much discussion? How how would we discuss that? I I I feel like there's um, a number of other projects that would be that could be shared by the city and the county, or even that KDOT, KDOT might accept as our share. Six Street improvements, Bob Billings, a lot of things we've said tacitly we want to expand to the west, and that is inside our tier, our planned tier two area. 
Whereas this road, um, whatever the county chooses to do, that's fine. But this road goes outside of our tiered area, which is part of certainly my objection to it. Um, I don't dispute that people out in the county need um, medical services, um, but there are other ways to do that. Roads aren't always the solution to everything. Um, if there are no emergency services out there, then they're further from emergency services. Um, so I don't know. I just feel like there are other projects we could share with the county that would further uh, plan 2040 and and other things more consistent with what we've been moving towards. Um, and I, I just want to be very clear. I understand um, that we are responsible for um, Wakarusa from Clinton Parkway to South Lawrence Traffic Way. Um, but I, I don't, I, again, will continue to be uncomfortable um, with this bridge as it goes outside of the city's expansion plan. Um, so I, 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 th I thought we were gonna, I thought we were leaving it kind of vague, but it still seems pretty specific there with percentages, 40, 60 city. Um, so I don't know. Well, you know, my issue with this has largely been the fact that this is a county road. It's not even in city limits. And, and I just don't think um, it's appropriate for the city to be building roads for the county. Um, nor, nor would I think it'd be, be right for the county to build roads in the city. I mean, that's their obligation. We need to stay in our lanes and, and stay in our lane. I mean, we don't pay for county roads. That's fine, but also to be reasonable, I'm, I'm not suggesting we just save this money. I'm suggesting we move it somewhere we need it. Oh, oh definitely. I agree. I agree <laughs> okay. Was to fund something that would also um, fulfill those. Yeah. Enhance our ability to do the West K-10 stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, we also have to consider, especially with Panasonic coming through, that it's going to affect multiple towns, not not only like DeSoto, Eudora, us, and our previous plans are to grow west. And, but who's to say that other additional plans might not come into play? So, you know, as in terms of south or east or north or what have you, I'm just throwing directions out there. There are going to be a lot of people coming. Um, it's going to be a lot of businesses coming. Um, so it's, it's going to take a lot of planning and a lot of, introspection on that part um, as well. I, I think, forgive me if I'm wrong, um, I think the county is working on their open space plan. Um, I, if I'm mistaken, um, which I've, I've heard a lot of folks talk about sustainability and making sure that we are protecting those green spaces, but um, I know that's a, a good portion of the conversation as well. So um, I'm not privy to how far along their work is, but I know those conversations are being had. So hopefully, you know, that can be included as well. Sure. Um, they're not very far along in that conversation, which is of course another reason I'm not in a great hurry for this um, because they may or may not identify that um, as a space. Um, again, there are other solutions to getting 
um, emergency services to those people. My grandfather lives out in the county. <clears throat> this road won't help him or most of the people. But what might would be um, an ambulance service anywhere out there between here and the county line. So that doesn't require a road. That requires a different kind of conversation. But sometimes we just see roads instead of other things. So I, I just, um, I, I agree with Commissioner, um, sorry, Vice Mayor Larson, um, especially since it's outside of our um, planned growth area. Um, we don't necessarily throw all of our plans out. Um, and yeah, it is inconsistent with plan 2040 in my view. I kind of agree with some of the statements in, in multimodal commission's letter. Um, I think we could take that somewhat seriously. Well, I also want to make sure that we don't conflate things and, uh, you know, let the process play through. Um, uh, Dave, uh, what, I know we're going to have a conversation with KDOT coming up. Uh, what were that, what were, what would that conversation pretend? Yeah, Dave Trones, the engineer. I think it's really just to start discussing now getting a city-state agreement formally uh, uh, drafted and, and executed on our participation. So when we had these discussions last spring about city-county participation, um, the reason they considered the Walkers extension south was um, because of some of their actions with with uh, Castle being closed on K10. K took that action, and one of the one of the results was increased uh, uh, trips to Iowa or the Dam Road, and um, and so that was one of the one of the points that we made in in the discussions. Uh, for them funding walkers of South. So we could certainly have a conversation on seeing if there's other things that they would consider um, to include that participation amount, but it's from our conversations uh, earlier, it was not likely. Um, so that's just, you know, for, for what it's worth, I guess. But, um, um, but so, yeah, I think, you know, when we meet with them, it's really just to kind of have a conversation about, uh, you know, our cost share and, and getting an agreement and uh, and uh, probably schedule, overall schedule for, for our projects and, and the SLT project now that it's funded for construction. So Dave, did I understand that you've had conversations with KDOT about switching out projects and you are indicating that they won't like to let us do that? Is that what they've told you? Well, in the spring, when we were talking about um, things that could be partic participating projects, these were the ones that were identified. The one specifically that I asked them about was uh, um, an at-grade or a grade-separated crossing for the Lawrence Loop at Iowa, um, where the bike path crosses Iowa, um, to have them consider having a, a improved tunnel or bridge crossing there, if that could be included, because that's something that's in our um you know an improvement that's in our um, bikeway plan for an improved crossing there and that was something that um they were not uh agreeable to using that as part of our local match um now that we could still go after grants and tie that into the project so i don't think that that necessary that that improvements necessarily off the table but it was off the table for 
the cost share. So we could, you know, to say, hey, we want to take the Wakarusa South, the, the city participating dollars for that and put it to a bike crossing at Iowa or an improvement at Clinton Parkway. Those are things that um, they were not uh, willing to consider in our conversations uh, in the spring. So you know, ultimately they um, didn't, didn't say, well, you know, it started off, you know, they wanted 10% and we kind of discussed projects that were on our CIP and see if those would qualify. And so um, that was, you know, kind of the conversations that we had. So um, it would be very unlikely to be able to include extending 6th Street or Bob Billings or some of the other um, uh, street improvements that I think we're going to need uh, west of K-10. It would be unlikely to be able to include those as our local match. Uh, we know that for sure. Excuse, I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you. I think to know that for sure, it would have to. we'd have to get, uh, they would need to tell us that more than me that that was my that was our my interpretation from our conversation but it would be better to hear to to directly ask them again now at this time and for them to respond themselves um so i think that conversation can occur here uh relatively soon and we can get a definitive answer on that and that would hopefully uh that would hopefully help or at least answer that question Thank you. Okay. I don't know that we've given the direction, all the direction Jeremy needs here. I think we're still a little. Fair. <laughs> I'm to scroll down to the questions. Um, Mayor, th this is Jeremy. Yeah. Um, if I could, they say uh, to err is human, and I'm certainly not exempt to that. Um, we had a discussion a little bit ago about the agreement with the Humane Society. And unfortunately, I think I was thinking about a different agreement. <laughs> so I actually pulled up the agreement. I want to share it with you all just so that there's no confusion. <laughs> Um, this agreement obviously predates me, but I apologize. Um, the agreement said that in 2019, the city shall provide 365,000 to the Humane Society for shelter operations. And then that compensation uh, every year thereafter would be subject to uh, the governing body, which is what I had mentioned to you all about the cash basis law. Um, but a little farther down in the agreement, it says that compensation beyond 2019 is actually not guaranteed. It's something that's going to be asked for annually in writing. So um, I don't want to give the impression that the 365000 that has been given uh, traditionally since 2019 is an obligation uh, on your part, your, the city commission's part, for 2023. Um, if we followed tradition, 365,000 would be what has traditionally been given to them on an annualized basis, but there's nothing in the agreement per se um, that says it has to be that amount. So the, the discretion is to the city commission and I apologize for uh, saying anything to the contrary. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, Mayor Mark Hecker, Assistant Director Parks and Rec. Did you want an answer to Commissioner Seller's question on the sure. project swaps? 
Go ahead. Works, Mark. I, I, I forgot about it. COVID brain. Sorry. <laughs> I think you had proposed um, moving the library plaza. Oh, yeah. Flip floppy. Yeah. Library plaza up to fund it and moving the large park shelter down to uh, grant funded. I think that's something we could support. Both those projects are needed, but I think it, in 2027, I think we could look for grant opportunities for both of those projects. All right. Thank you, Mark. So I hear one commissioner saying um, you don't want to, you do want to reduce the city's portion of the mill levy. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. And leave it at 33.2 now. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, Not what you were saying. <laughs> right. Well, I, I just, I just, I mean, I was saying all along that that it's the library's mill every increase, not ours, and we need to stay in our lanes. And um, I don't want to be carrying that salary forever. No more, no more than I expected them to carry some of our salary. Mm -hmm. <coughs> You're still in Did you decide, <laughs> Commissioner mm -hmm. Sellers? Mayor. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, one commissioner needs a break. It's nine o'clock. We have been here since five forty-five. Yeah, more. Let's do break ten minutes. Uh, yeah. Nine ten. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, let's return to our chit chat. Um, well, hopefully, one commissioner is able to help us navigate our way out of this. I, I do want to follow up on something because, of course, I do. Um, Dave, the Walker is the Stoneback Drive to Clinton Parkway. It's a separate CIP item. Um, that's MS 23-0070. Does that go away and get absorbed into this uh, MS 220029? Dave, Dave Cronin, yes, it, it does. It's this it's the same project. Okay. And did that amount go up? I thought you said 3.5. I think this is 2.8. Well, uh, it, um, there was two different projects. There was the walk through six to the north and improvements to East 900 Road. And I think the total of them was probably closer to 3 million. Um, but the estimates have changed. We've changed estimates since even since I submitted them in the spring. So I'd have to okay. double on the exact numbers, but that's that's the ballpark range of it. <clears throat> and these are for 2024. If we approve these, when is the next time you're going to show this to us, and so that we have we approve any of that funding or disapprove it? Um, well, the 
the Wakarus extension to the north and East 900 Road, um, those improvements are already included in the SLT project. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the remaining the remaining funding that you have here, I mean, I guess I'm wondering you you could spend that on all kinds of things before you have to ask my opinion, right? We, you could do a uh, environmental impact study as long as it was under a certain amount of money, right? Um, I'm not really sure I understand the question. So we have seven million on this one on the MS two two zero zero two nine. If you spend three point five, that we all agree on the um, Wakarusa from Clinton Parkway to South Lawrence Trafficway and 900 Road, whatever you say, um, there's still a considerable amount of money. When would you ask us how you'd like that spent? When would be the next time we would talk about that remainder of that money? Um, Jeremy, maybe you could help answer that question. I. I mean, it's in the CIP, so once it's approved, I mean, we would bring it. We would bring an engineering services agreement, unless it was for some reason removed. Uh, we'd bring that to you before the end of this year. Yeah. Uh, as far as, but that's just for engineering services. So for the balance of the Walker Extension South construction, let's just say three and a half, four million dollars. I mean, I didn't know that until um, we went forward with construction and then we paid out after the project. Okay. So um, if, if we were to remove that from that CIP project, um, then I don't know, as far as bringing something else to the table, that would be something that staff would have to talk about and how to reallocate those dollars unless i'm mistaken jeremy i mean kate could still ask us for the amount um and you know because we were committing the seven million dollars and if 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 there's not any alternative projects that we can use for the seven million dollars and if they want to you know if we want to stick to our commitment in the letter we sent and they don't want to reduce that amount, then that would be something that we would have to bring back to the commission to have a conversation about. Um, so um, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. All right. Uh, no, no, I guess on, I mean, on, on that project, I, I'm interested in knowing, you know, if KDOT would be willing to allow us to spend it on something else. I'm also interested to know what the county's going to do. If the county's going to build the road anyway, right? you know, um, and they're going to spend $14 million or whatever dollars to build the road, and we have to write a $3 million, $3.5 million check, so the community spends, because KDOT doesn't let us spend it on anything else, then the community's $3.5 million worse off and KDOT gains three and a half million dollars. Mm. If there's a if 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 the county decides not to build the road, then we all have to go back to to KDOT and figure out um, what we're going to do to put in the forty million. So, I guess I'm certainly interested in that. I think we have to leave for the CIP purposes. We leave that amount of funding in there, um, but 
you know, certainly I don't hear a consensus that um, if Dave, you brought back an engineering services agreement um, that and we were the first to vote on it before the county voted on it, that we would have the votes to pass that. But we, you know, but there's a lot more information we need. So I think we leave the money in the CIP because we've we're committed to that with KDOT, but how we spend it, um, you know, I'd like to, you know, before you bring it back to us, I'd like to know more about that and what the options are. I mean, I, there was a scenario in which I might, if the county's going to build it anyway, I, I might support spending the three and a half million dollars on it. If the county decides not to build it, well, then it's a pretty easy decision for us because then the road's not going to get built. Um, and there's things in between. And so for me and tonight, I think to move on to tonight, we leave the we leave the seven million for the South Lawrence traffic way and leave it open for um, you know further consideration. Um, you know, frankly, I'm the same way on the you know, on the Humane Society, we have a, we're gonna, I mean, we'll have a contract that comes back to us. So even if we, you know, whatever happens, um, there's going to be a contract brought back to us. So, and so again, I don't think we're deciding that tonight. So I, I think um, let the contract go and then it'll come to us. And, and I mean, I certainly support the Humane Society. I think they do good work. There could be things we could do better, things we could do different, but, um, Again, I don't know that we we're, you know, deciding that final contract tonight, and so, um, and then I. So I think the big question is, do, you know, where do we stand on the point zero seven seven? Do we stay at thirty three point two nine, or do we go to thirty three point whatever? I can't add that math at this point, but yeah. And then as I think there's two people who support it, and and I don't, and I think that leaves the mayor and and Commissioner Sellers, one more of you, and you have a consensus. <laughs> you have three, um, and so I think that's the big question, question for tonight. <coughs> then it's going to come back to us on September sixth to vote on. Mm -hmm. um, Commissioner Finkel, I got a question. When you were talking about that three and a half million or three million or whatever it was for the Wakarusa or that those projects, you had said that that if we didn't, if the county went ahead and built it anyway, regardless of what we did, that you said if we spent that three and a half mils and gave it to KDOT, that, that the community would be worse off? Did I miss something? Well, I mean, it's 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 possible that, it's possible that KDOT, it's, it's a, I mean, anytime you have a three-party agreement, it's hard to figure out, yeah. right? I mean, or, or um, you know, the county says, you know, hey, we're only, we're not going to fund the full $14 million for the oh, yeah. SLT. So you guys need to put in money somewhere. So then we have to figure out something to spend it on. Right. I mean, again, I mean, we were up here talking about a three-party agreement that yeah. where we only have information from one side. We need information from the other two sides before we can decide is what my point was. Yeah. And I agree. I, that's why I was asking Dave, you know, do we know for sure what KDOT would and would not do? And, and it sounds like he's had some discussions, but all the avenues haven't been exhausted yet. So I am interested in getting more information. And being flexible in this description of the $7 million. Correct. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, the, assuming the city commissioner vote to the city's portion of the mill levy, you're hearing two and two. Did you? I would prefer that we keep it flat. I don't want to use. I, I, I mean, I know we've been net ninety nine, but 
I don't think we're ready to cross that bridge right now. So I would like to- You don't want to reduce the city's portion of the mill levy to offset the increase for the library. I think the better way to ask is, do you want to stay yeah, at 32.290 or do you want to go to- 33 33.3. 33 point whatever. 367. Because going up to the 33 is just netting. It's just what? It's just, it's to your point, it's giving us the additional 99 for the city. That's not funding to the library. Yeah. So, yeah. As long as the library is getting <coughs> their portion to do what they need to do, I don't, we, we can stay flat. I mean, what, which way are you leaning? Stay at 32? Well, that's why <laughs> you all seem to be saying something different. So that's what I was trying to figure out. Um, I, I guess <laughs> I, I guess I, I might be with you, Commissioner. I, I might be inclined to reduce to stay on the to stay on the lower percentages of thirty-two. Um, Mayor, that's three of them, so that's fine. <laughs> they seem to be. Yeah, go ahead, Jeremy. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt your discussion, but I thought if you don't mind, I'll just throw that slide back up and that might help um, for the visualization. So um, if the vote were that the city should reduce its levy to cover the increase for the library, and that would be a vote that the city's levy be 29.171, the library's levy be 4.119 for a total of 33.290. If the vote were that the city not lower its levy from its current level in 2022, then that would be the city levy of 29.248, the library levy of 4.119 for a total levy of uh, 33.367, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> 33.367. So hope that might provide uh, more clarity for us rather than flat, um, because that, <laughs> yeah. that can be taken two different ways. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to do with that. So if that's helpful, I can leave that up or if- Okay. Do you prefer option A or option B? Yeah. <laughs> so to, not that anyone's unclear about what I want. But <laughs> I would. Keep the city mill levy at 29.171 for a total mill levy of 33.290. I concur. <coughs> and you guys are still feeling the same way? Sure. Still feel the same way? Okay. Just once again, I just want to reiterate, my concern is having to fund the library salaries in perpetuity. And correspondingly, if if we were to pursue the action of um, going with the 29.171, would 
I mean, I guess you guys would have to figure out what to reduce, right? On our side to go ahead and fix. No, that's the recommendation. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's what's there now. Yeah, that's what's there now. That's the, that's that's the now. Yeah. yeah. And Courtney, you leaning towards the 29.171? No, no, I'm leaning. I'm leaning. Yeah, I'm leaning towards you, but I'm trying to understand. I'm really, I thought I understood what you're saying, Vice Mayor, when you were saying about the library in perpetuity, and I'm just not. It's now it's not making sense to me. So we're just absorbing their mill levy. Uh -huh. That means we've got to have that in our budget every year. Uh -huh. And it will grow not just from $99,000 each year. It will grow because our valuations continue to grow. And so, I mean, we just spent $10 million to get our staff up to up to pay that they should have. And we need to make sure we continue to take care of our staff. And I don't think we need to be taking care of this the library staff they've got their own mill levy and and they're handling it responsibly so that's what i mean by that <laughs> okay well i it sounds to me like we have three consensus i don't know how you want to call consensus <laughs> and of course we do get to vote on it again um to to keep it at the 29.248 right Nope, 171. Well, it depends what you're at. 29, no. What are you at? I was Mayor. trying to get to the... Yeah, what are you at? The lower one is what I was trying to get, the 171. Yeah. Okay. 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 That was one thing Jeremy wanted to know. Right. And then we quetched quite a bit about Wakarusa. I think we came into some answer on that. Were there any other questions about the CIP or budget issues that we didn't answer for... Jeremy? No. Nope. The, the, the. Oh, Parks and Rec with the sh large shelter and, um, which Mark jumped on for. So, yes, to look at um, switching out, what was it, MS 262606 for MS, no, PR, PR 26, 26, 2606 for PR 28, 24, 14. Don't ask me how I know those numbers. I think that, I mean, I think I, I would, those are so far out to 2027 that, that I would prefer just to leave it as it is now and then look at it next year when it gets closer to actually dealing with it. But it sounds like from Mark's point that it, Mark, you said that you, you all felt that that was something you felt, you felt comfortable with. Yeah, Mark, I heard system director, I think it'll work either way. And, you know, we're five years out. So that gives us opportunity to look for grants for either project. Yeah. But at the current time, the library plaza probably has a little more uh, support from the unmistakable identity group. So right. that one might, might be a good move. Yeah. And I know that also speaks to our downtown master plan. So I, again, it's a, it's a value add that could bring in residual dollars, sales tax, guest tax, depending on how that space is utilized. It can bring in drive, you know, user foot traffic for downtown. It drives in foot traffic for the library. So I feel like if Parks and Rec is, is feels like they're comfortable with switching out, knowing that it could also, either one could be a, a grant funded activity. I think we should go with the one that we know has the ability to bring more bodies, bring more traffic, bring more fun financial opportunities for the community. Okay. 
Like I said, I don't think it changes the bottom line, so it no, doesn't matter doesn't to me. But matter. I'm, yeah. I, I mean, I want both of them eventually to be built. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, and, and, however you bring it back to us, I'm fine yes. with. I mean, I think I mean, <laughs> I'm good with both. I mean, I doesn't, you know. Yeah, just it's so far out. Yep. Yeah. If, if you feel, I mean, if if that's the way we want to lean, I think putting in the CIP is fine. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Thank it, you. It, okay, was that everything? Oh, and uh, just so I'm, I'm sure the 35,000 is coming out of ARPA to go ahead and fully fund the Lawrence Humane Society. Is that? I don't think we discussed that. Well, we left it for staff to bring okay. it back. Options, I don't know. Do we? I didn't hear anything. Yeah. No, I, I think that is an unresolved yeah. issue. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Since we're not since we're going with the um, 29.1127, I can't what the exact number was. So, so Jeremy, to, to the point, remind, remind me, if we utilize the ARPA dollars because of the policy, it has to be pulled, we have to draw it down like we did. We have to draw funding down to match that. Or am I not using the correct words? No, I think you're right. Um, the amount available for projects would be reduced by 35,000. The amount of support the general fund needs to uh, bridge that gap would increase by 35,000. Um, so then the amount of new revenue we'll need to fund the 23 budget before we look at anything, you know, any projects or spending um, would be closer to 1.3 million instead of 1.2. Okay. Well, I, I'm just fine. With, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, just so I'm clear, the, I want to make sure that that sounds like something that you all would generally support. We'll amend the general fund revenue budget an additional thirty-five thousand, and then add thirty-five thousand to police budget for the Humane Society. I would be fine with that. Uh, even though I, I am fully understanding that it is a one-time cost or one-time <laughs> allocation coming out of ARPA um, and not entirely comfortable with not finding a sustainable solution for it, but I would be in support in funding them the rest of the way this year. My preference would be to find a way within our budget as it is right now to find a way to fund that. Um, and again, it's just spending one-time dollars for ongoing expenses. We're going to be right back here next year with the same issue. We're kicking the can down the road. Go ahead. No, no. Okay. I mean, my feeling is this is a contract that we're going to negotiate, right. and next year, we'll, it, right. you know, listening to some of the commenters, we might we might increase two hundred thousand dollars because we want to do more, <laughs> or it might go down. I mean, it, you know, it, I mean, the the idea that we're doing this contract, um, you know, at this point, you know, without all the the context to the contract. I mean, to me, it's like the the SL, I mean, the SLT, the extension of Wakawusa, I mean, you know, you're negotiating from up here without knowing 
you know, exactly what you're negotiating on and what's going to be in the contract before you do it. But, mm-hmm. you know, do I, I mean, and, and, and to some extent, I'm not sure if I was the Humane Society, I'd be wanting to, to, to negotiate the contract to limit where, where it could be. I mean, we need to figure out where, what services we want to provide and then create a contract that does that. Now, this is different than Parks and Rec, which is our department, and, and we fund that and we're done with it. This, like the SLT, is a three, you know, with the Wakarusa part, is a, is a, is a multi-party contract. And, you know, until we know what's in the contract, um, I mean, and, we, and that's going to come back to us. So, I mean, let's say we, if, if we said, hey, let's cut the $35,000 from the budget. We're still going to have a contract that's going to come back to us and all the same people will get up here and say, don't sign that contract. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we want a full contract. I mean, it could still be back at this point. Yeah, or they could come back on, with the contract and say, this is what we can do for that amount of yeah. money. And in the, you know, and in the same, if, if we put the 35,000 in and then, you know, we decide to do something different. And so I guess I'm, I mean, I mean, I, I, I would just leave it and go ahead and wait for the, the discussion, just like I am. Mean, I think we'll spend a lot of time on something that um, we'll we'll be talking about again. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, so, but on the other hand, I, I mean, I support the Humane Society, and I'm yeah. I'm good with that too. I mean, it's thirty-five thousand dollars out of a four hundred million dollar budget. We're spending lots of, you know, without knowing the full contract. So I, I'm good either way. I'm, yeah. I agree. Okay, let's see. Commissioner? Well, I have nothing else to add. Do you agree with that? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so Commissioner Littlejohn, uh, you still want to give them the IBA money then? Yeah. Okay. And you, uh, Commissioner uh, Sellers, is that what your suggestion is? Or am I misinterpreting you? No. No, I'm just trying to take in the ever evolution of our conversation on this. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I said, I said what I said. So. <laughs> I, I guess maybe I, I misunderstood then. Well, I think to, I, 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 from what I, I hear from Commissioner Finkeldai, he's saying to, to hold it, to my interpretation, hold it at the 65 to wait until a contract, till they discuss their contract. I'm saying I don't care what we do because we're going right. to be, gonna, the contract's going to come back right, to us come at that time. Us. So either way is fine with me. I mean, right. what wants to do, we're going to be talking about this issue again. When it, once we and at that point we talk about it, we'll actually know what the contract says and what it's for, and we'll be having this whole conversation again. So, put it in, take it out. I don't, I don't really. It doesn't bother me because I don't. I mean, we're right. going to be here again at some point talking about this. So. Okay. So, I'm sounding frustrated, but I, it doesn't matter. no. I mean, I, you, you. I think you're more expressing it more outwardly, outwardly than I am. I, I think I'm at the same point that we're, I mean, this is going to come back to us in contract. I'd like to see it fully, fu- you know, I'd like to see it funded. So 
and I made the suggestion to where the funding could come from, but I, okay. I, I don't have anything else to add because I okay. this turn up so is then I hear four people that more or less agree with that. Okay. Jeremy, did that tell you what you needed to know? I want to check in with Craig, but I believe I have what I need. Yes. Okay, so I'll I'll restate. Sherry's got notes. Uh, so the um, we're going to restore all the funding for the shelter. We're going to reflect that that comes out of the ARPA money by the thirty five thousand, um, and that the Wakarusa extension is flexible money. It's not going to change the, the overall amount, but it's not going to be specific about the allocation, uh, and that we are going to keep the the tax rate at the lower of the two amounts. Yes. That's that's what I heard. Not unanimity on all the, <laughs> but majority on all those points. Good, Jeremy. That is what I heard as well, yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Um, I don't think uh, we already closed the public hearing, so we're safe there. Um, I guess that brings us to calendar. Any calendar items for commissioners? Doesn't sound like it. Any motions? Motion to adjourn. I have a first and second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye.